0: It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. First in 10 Colts, the plus 36-yard line. Got Going him. deep downfield.
1: Alec Pierce, touchdown. touchdown!
2: That was a bomb from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce. His longest catch of the season. It covers 36 yards, and the Colts answer right
3: back.
4: He keeps working, he keeps grinding, and then, you know, every, every you know it takes it might take some time every once in a while, but today was his opportunity, and he made the most of it.
3: And then the Colts' pocket!
4: Blocks right there. That's Obviously, that's a huge momentum change right there uh, for us. Um, but a testament to, you know, Brian Mason and Joe Hastings, our special teams uh, coordinators, you know, getting those things wired up uh and obviously getting the blocks there with Big.
0: And she goes out of him. Lead receiver to the right side. Backing the throat, Good protection. hangs in there. Taking a shot for Alec Pierce. Down the sideline. Over the shoulder.
3: In
2: the end Got zone Michael Pippen! Touchdown. Touchdown, Michael Pittman! Ball game by IndY Michael Pittman into the
0: end zone from Garden Mitshew. And the Colts win 31-28 in Nashville. Yes, sir!
4: It's awesome to see our guys fight every single week uh, and just keep finding ways to win.
0: Yes, sir. How about that? That game on Sunday. I guess it wasn't 1916 like we all thought on Friday. Hey, welcome in. As always, live from the drivehubler.com studio, it is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. We have Kylan in with us today. It's much nicer in here. No Mark Dighton today in beautiful Disney with his family. Welcome in. We got you for the next three hours. Colts winners An unbelievable, unmatched game, wild game on Sunday, and no doubt we'll talk about that for the next three hours. KB, a very good morning to you, man. How about that? Still
1: kind of in shock by it all, to be honest with you. Um, I I did think it was kind of... Apropos to tweet out that, uh, yeah, drunker than a bachelorette party on Broadway. (laughs) And if you want to, I guess, continue that analogy, I would say the hangovers for the Colts and the Titans are equal on this Monday morning, but the Colts got the late night pizza.
0: The Titans stayed at the bar and took two more shots. (laughs) The late night, hot, the late night hot dog. I think there is a hot dog stand oh, somewhere dog on Broadway. Everywhere yeah. on
1: Broadway, and uh, the Colts made sure that they stopped and got that there. What a game in overtime! What a game. Um, just one of the wilder ones I've really ever seen. And the moral of it all, and the uh, W's and L's of it all, is that it's a four game win streak, and it's the longest since 2018. And it's a seven and five football team that got a lot of help yesterday as well. Uh, if you look at the playoff standings. And right now, this is a team that, you know, who would have thought? With five to go, Andy, they've already eclipsed their over-under in the win-loss. It's not the prettiest-looking thing. If the college football playoff committee (laughs) was picking NFL playoff teams, they would laugh at the Colts, and they would move right on. But that's not how it works. Uh, You pick the seven teams that have the best records in each conference, and right now, the Colts sit in a great position. And again, they got help. And they, they, it might be backup quarterback galore until C.J. Stroud, if Kenny Pickett getting hurt yesterday. So it was quite the week 13, to say the least. And we've got a loaded one, a loaded one on this Monday morning. Uh, Rick Carlisle joining us at 7.40 ahead of tonight's in-season tournament quarterfinal inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. And Andy Sweeney at 8 o'clock, is he the most confident man in the state of Indiana?
0: Kurt Signetti going to join us, Indiana football coach who apparently – is all pro wrestler. I don't know where he got his <laughs> pro wrestling stuff from, but we got to dive into that. As he told Purdue, they sucked on Friday night. As Indiana Ohio basketball. State Michigan, right? right? And Ohio State and Michigan, uh, but we know they definitely hit <laughs> football. Do not suck. By the way, did you see the Ohio State quarterback put his name in the portal? The portal does open today, and I guess it's going to be insane. So that'll be fun.
1: Yeah, this <laughs> is the official uh, opening of the portal. Uh, last time we talked, Purdue was ranked number one and undefeated. Well, they lose late, 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 or late Friday night. That's
0: my fault. Uh, yeah, I'll you, raise my hand on you that were one. Di- you were just didn't even want to yeah. acknowledge Northwestern no, I as a potential him. upset. I dismissed Bo Bowie. That's what I did on Boo Friday. Bo Bowie, Come Boo on Bowie. Now. sorry, did I call him Bo. Well, whatever his name is, I dismissed him. He balled out. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, Wolf Carlisle coming up in about thirty five minutes, uh, and then the head coach of Indiana, Kirk Cignetti, will join us at eight o'clock. He did tweet out at like 545 he's up working he had a notepad of stuff written down so we got to find out what's on that notepad as he's been all over Twitter uh, and everything else but I got to be honest I mean that you rarely see a few of those things that happened yesterday Kevin, you rarely see in one game, right? Let alone all of those things happen. Okay, you get a you know a blocked punt, a blocked punt for a touchdown. Okay, that doesn't happen. Okay, I've never seen two blocks okay, in one game. Yeah, okay. The very next one. Okay, now you get another punt blocked, and then on top of it, I mean that poor punter's leg. Oh oh, you know it's not good when the when they a don't show it multiple times, even like on the red zone, and then you know it's not good when everyone in the stadium on replay goes ooh. When sixty-five thousand people, of both, you know, fans of both teams, end up groaning and moaning uh, at an injury, and then I mean even locally. You know, Pierce having such a big game, uh, definitely the best game of his season, perhaps career. It was always, I guess, going to come down to Minshew, something I want to dive into. But, I mean, you get the the touchdown on special teams, then you allow the two-point conversion the other way. I mean, these are things you don't see in a normal NFL game. But, man, I know it's generic analysis, KB, but... The team finds a way, and they found a way four straight games, and that's all that matters. You don't have to talk about the Colts, but if the playoffs started today, yet again, they'd be in.
1: Yeah, and again, big help yesterday with both Pittsburgh and Cleveland, the two wildcard teams right above Indy. Both of them lose to NFC teams. You, I mean, you cannot script up a, a, a better Sunday for the Colts in regards to that. Um, and then, like you said, you're sitting here at seven and five. And if the Kenny Pickett injury, it could very well be for the next few weeks. You know, backup quarterbacks all the way till C.J. Stroud in that season finale. Um, I, I'm like, where do we start? Do, do do you start Pierce? Do you start with the block punts? Do you start with Minshew? I, I'm gonna go with the block punts because in a game that was such a slog. Like I thought when we had got to late in the third quarter, Andy, I was thinking to myself. Which defense is going to break? Which team going to commit the back-breaking? The safety bites on a Henry run fake, or I guess a Zach Moss run fake, and then boom! All of a sudden, Levis hits a deep ball, or maybe Minshew strikes again with Alec Pierce. But when you got to that moment late in the third quarter, oftentimes in a game like that, a special teams play can be the difference. And you know, again, as a Notre Dame fan, I I remember Brian Mason a whole lot at Notre Dame. He came from. South Bend, uh, it's his first ever NFL coaching job, and he takes over for Bubba Ventrone. And last year at Notre Dame, I think the number was, it's either seven or eight block punts they had in a 12-game season. That obviously is a huge, huge number. And so, in the back of my mind, I've kind of been waiting for, you know, is this something that, like, he does really well, and this is the like, norm for like, him? Like his calling card, right. right? But, like, again, who the hell just block punts, you know, week in and week out? Like, no one really does that, especially in the NFL. And Nick Cross, obviously... Has that block there. They overload the left side. And then just a great wrinkle, I thought, on the next one. Uh, when, when they kind of cheat Tony Brown a little bit in, he initially lines up like he's going to block that that gunner outside. And they do it to that Tennessee tight end who had just made the mistake on the previous punt. That guy had blocked outside on the previous punt. Cross got to the inside and blocked it. Well, what does he do on the next punt? He blocks inside, allowing Tony Brown to come untouched. And have you seen like two Easier blocks. Like, both those blocks.
0: Oh, they were walk-ins. They just took it off the punter's leg. Dude, it's unbelievable. Yeah, they took it off the punter's leg and the so bad one, that his leg snapped. The, oh God, <laughs> the poor guy. My God, oh, the poor punter. Don't think I can laugh at that.
1: And the second one, Andy, they actually called a fumble. Right. They actually went back and officially uh, called it a, a fumble. So I thought that sequence. Obviously, what happens in overtime, the Pierce plays, Minshew taking a total 180 from, oh, my gosh, Sam Ellinger's got to start against the Bengals to Moxie by Gardner and in overtime all of that uh, again one of the wilder ones that I've I've ever seen you
0: know you said two names there and I wrote both names down Tony Brown and Nick Cross for different reasons. I mean, Cross is a guy, now he had, what did you, I think you tweeted this out this morning, 31 defensive snaps, so he played such a huge role special Which is a massive number teams. for him. Oh, I mean, that was his best game. I mean, yeah, you can go back to last year, but that's the best game of the young guy's career, what he did on special teams, and then you throw in the 31 snaps on defense. You know, that is a guy that we've been talking about, but it's also it, it's a name that's only been talked about because he hasn't played right? Right, KB? I mean, that's the only reason we brought up Nick Cross. And so, you know, he plays part hero. And then on top of it, you know, Tony Brown has been much maligned this season. Do we not remember about a month ago, whatever it was a month and a half ago, him standing at his locker dejected, uh, you know, when the Colts are coming off a loss. And so, you know, he got a little bit of a redemption story. And then on top of it, you know, you mentioned Gardner Minshew and no doubt the throws that he made to Pittman, the two long throws that he made to Pierce, those are going to be the highlights, okay? The game winner, uh, we understand Pittman, the move outside, the move inside, a little pick play and boom, it's a touchdown and it's a game winner and everything like that. But it was like, like it was going to, even though all the crazy special team stuff happened, right? To a certain extent, this was going to come down to Minchu because the Colts could not run the football on Sunday. Right. I mean, yeah. Zach Moss yeah, Tennessee bullied uh, they, Indy to the they, they, much better than they did yeah, back in week. Yeah, five. I mean, you go back to week 5 whatever it was, the Titans were able to run the ball this time around. They were able to stop the run this time around and it was one of those games where if Minchu didn't hit Pittman for all the big catches, if he didn't hit Pierce for the two uh to, to the two long balls, you almost feel like it would have went the other way, right? He would have made a mistake or two that would have left you feeling empty at the end of this game, but hey, listen, I know there are some bad teams on this schedule upcoming, the four games that they've had, but the Colts there is something about doing what you're supposed to do in sports. We have talked about that as an analogy with the Pacers. The Pacers didn't take care of the Hornets and the Bulls and teams like that and the Portland Trailblazers. and because of it. it's stung last week. We brought up those games. Well, in the last month, the Colts have taken advantage and they have done what they what they needed to do, and that is a skill in the NFL, and that is Steichens coaching in the NFL, and you can't say, I mean, listen, I, I'm the defense, in the middle part of that game, the special teams throughout, in making, I don't know how, you know, five, six, seven big-time throws, and the Colts are winners of four straight, and you mentioned it Kenny Pickett's missing time,
1: yeah. Two that to two four weeks, li- that just
0: got lit up. I yesterday. think it was the
1: original original report. Well, just look at Pittsburgh, they didn't do, they didn't do anything as they needed to. No. Well, just look at who they played They at home against Arizona. That should be a win if you're a playoff right. team, and they didn't do that. The Colts are doing those things. Uh, and I'll bring up the golf analogy I brought up prior in these last four weeks. There's no picture on the scorecards, you know, you can debate how pretty of a win it looks. Uh, if this team is truly capable of, whatever, winning a playoff game. Or now, if you look at the schedule, it is going to rise a little bit in that you're playing some kind of like-minded teams. Sure. Some other teams that have the backup quarterbacks that have won games this season. And you are kind of exiting a little bit of this tier. But still, you've put yourself in a position at 7-5. and five, Still have that seventh and final spot in the playoffs. Um, I thought Reggie Wayne actually had a very interesting tweet after the game yesterday uh, in regards to Alec Pierce. And we will certainly get to that later. One thing I do want to mention on the Shane Steichen coaching front, this might be a little bit of a nerd coaching aspect, but I think it is something that Steichen did specifically yesterday that was a huge, huge part in the game. The Colts had three plays, Andy, over 25 yards yesterday. Obviously, the first touchdown to Pierce, the big play to Pierce in overtime, and then the crazy kind of end-around flea flicker to Kylan Granson. Each one of those plays came right after a Tennessee penalty. Mm -hmm. I don't think that is just happenstance by Shane Steichen. Agreed. You know, it was kind of funny. After the flea flicker, I had an NFL assistant coach uh, text me and say, Oh boy, I see everyone fawning over Steichen dialing up that, that play. That's a play that several teams have run this year. And it's fine that several teams have run that play, but it's when you run the play. And if you look at that, that comes after an offsides penalty on a third and one. Andy, how many times do you see a big old fat defensive lineman go offsides on a third and one, and his teammates just undress him? I mean, they're they're bitching and moaning at this guy. Get off the field. It's a ten commandment of don't do's if you're a defensive lineman. You're only lineman. here in short yardage. You know, get back on the sideline and come back in during goal line. Watch the ball. And so when that happens for twenty or thirty seconds. And all of a sudden, you've got hands on hips, and guys are just kind of lackadaisical. Communication probably isn't as proper leading into the next play. Boom, what happens? You do the crazy flea flicker thing. Granson's wide open. Go back to the first play to Alec Pierce. Yeah, the personal foul. Kayvon Wallace celebrates in front of the Colts bench. (laughs) What do the Titans do? The Titans actually benched him on that play. That is a starting safety that they took off the field for the next play. What happens? Colts go over the top at that safety, and then look at the overtime play. Sean Murphy bunting commits the illegal contact on Michael Pittman, the play prior. What do the Colts do in the very next play? They go right at Murphy bunting. This time, Alec Pierce is opposite him, and they hit the deep ball. That stuff will not show up in the box score necessarily, but again, that is Shane Steichen, chess over checkers. Of Everyone's got big plays that they want to dial up over the course of a game in their playbook, but a lot of it boils down to When do you dial those up? Minshew's not a guy that's going to survive seven-step drops all game long and and airing it out. The flea flicker's not something that you're going to do three times in a game. But when you pick and choose those spots, it's another sign of Shane Steichen giving the Colts a great, great advantage. And now his football team is sitting here at 7-5 and with five weeks to go. And I guess kind of a big one tonight. I think you want Jacksonville to beat Cincinnati tonight? If you're the Colts and you look at the wild card oh, you, picture. you absolutely I do. I know there's probably a Colt fan or two that says, wait a minute, if Jacksonville starts slipping up, could you, know, you get back in the divisional race? I, I think that's a tad greedy to go down that path, but that will be Monday Night Football as it will be Cincinnati on a short week here uh, with the Colts coming up. In week four. Well, it's even
0: worth mentioning before we take our first break here. And Kylan, I don't know if you if you have ever been a part of these, but I'm in a big eliminator league, KB, uh-huh. and I have the Jags tonight. So Ooh. when we talk about the Jaguars winning, I hate to do this to the Colts fans, but I would I would appreciate if we could all set aside our hatred for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're gonna Doug, be sweating that one tonight, and Doug Peterson. Come on, no in season tournament
1: on. for Andy Sweeney tonight. Yeah, I'll be yeah. locked
0: into both. That's why he's, I have the two TVs and the iPad. He's <laughs> Got Jags and Bengals
1: <laughs> on his mind. He is Andy Sweeney and Kylan Talley in for Mark Dykton this week as Mark is in Disney and a loaded one on this Monday morning. We'll continue to talk a lot of Colts and recapping that wild one in Nashville, but from a guest standpoint, Rick Carlisle at 740 and Kurt Signetti. I'm just picturing him lighting up like stogies in that first <laughs> big team meeting here on this Monday morning. If words could talk, Indiana's <laughs> just won the Rose Bowl here over the last 72 hours. We will talk with the Colts, head, or the Colts head coach, the new IU football coach coming up at 8 o'clock. Good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending that with us. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy right here at on 93.5, 107.5, the fan.
0: All right, let's start the morning check down. You know where it's going to start. It's going to start with the Colts. 31-28 winners yesterday in Nashville. Now four straight wins for the Colts. Obviously, one of the big players in the game, Alec Pierce. Three catches, 100 yards, and one touchdown. Shane Steichen on Pierce's big day.
4: Yeah, no question. Obviously, I think he had three for 100, and then obviously the big one there was huge at the end to get us down there to the four yard line. Uh, but he keep he keeps working, he keeps grinding, and then you know every, every you know it takes might take some time every once in a while, but today was his opportunity, and he made the most of them.
0: The second you know? sound wasn't great. It really yeah. wasn't great. No, no. No, no that's Signetti. Wow. Let's yeah. just play it. Let's just play it. No, don't no, play the Signetti. We're already pot committed. What if this were Steichen? This would be awesome for Steichen. The moon sucks. <laughs> The Titans suck.
2: But so does Michigan in a high state. <laughs>
0: So do
1: the Jaguars. It is so Monday Night Raw, (laughs) WWE style there. Mark Dykton would actually love that from a WWE standpoint. I can't
0: wait to talk to Signetti at 8 o'clock.
1: He is going to join us coming up at 8 (laughs) o'clock. Going
0: back to Alec Peters, that was his first
1: touchdown of the season. Obviously the big play in overtime. Him and Michael Pittman in two very different ways. Both of them over 100 yards yesterday. And it was much needed because it was a struggling day. On the ground uh, and defensively, you know Tennessee certainly gashed them early on. But the Colts win 31-28 there in overtime. Again, seven and five on the season, and got important help yesterday in both Pittsburgh and Cleveland, the two teams right above them. Uh, losing to NFC teams. So as we look ahead to week 14, it'll be the Colts traveling down I-74 to take on Cincinnati. And Andy, that game tonight, you're all over the Jags in your Survivor League, Jags and Bengals
0: Monday night. There's four people left. Two of them took the Buccaneers. Two of them took the Jaguars. So yesterday, I'm rooting for the I'm rooting for the pathetic Carolina Panthers. For so the Bucks Embrace fans young. are all in on Cincinnati <laughs> right brutal. now. Brutal, it was brutal. Uh, all right, Give swoosh us it sounder. up
1: here, Kylan, as we <laughs> move we on. There we go. Uh, let's go to the Pacers tonight. It is the in-season tournament over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The Boston Celtics come into town a five-point favorite. Now we'll ask for Carlisle this in a few minutes. I, uh, I'm assuming Tyrese Halliburton. Will be good to go. He is questionable due to that respiratory illness that he had. Is that the Miami flu? Well,
0: that's what I mean. Come on, that's the joke. Did he get is the it Miami not? flu. So, so Halliburton got to go. He got to play on the first night. Then he didn't have to. You know, he he got to enjoy his Friday mm-hmm. night yeah. knowing SLS that he wasn't going to play. Club or something <laughs> got to him there on a Friday. Uh, if you look
1: back to Saturday, Andy, that was not a performance I was expecting from the Pacers. No Halliburton. Agreed. And yet they have their highest field goal percentage of the season. We could have a CVS receipt list of guys that played well for the Pacers in that game. I do want to single out Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown mentioned this after the game, Andy. When Halliburton missed that first Boston matchup, Bruce Brown had two points in that game. He had 25 just in S- Saturday's second half. He was the catalyst. Obi Toppin big, McConnell huge. So many guys that you can mention as the Pacers do beat Miami. They split that road trip, and now it will be the Celtics tonight. I think it's going to be an outstanding, outstanding atmosphere inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse.
0: What are, they doing with the, what are they doing with the court again? Is it going to look like which time? Do we know what the court's well, going to look like? It's a
1: season tournament, right? So okay. it, it'll, uh, but they've it, had
0: two different variations, have they not, or am I wrong? I thought they toned it down. After game one, did they one. tone it down? I thought they did. I feel like that was city uniforms was, versus in uh, season. Okay, but that I might don't know. have been. That might have been. To be it fair, was. it is a lot to juggle. It is a lot to juggle. Give us another swoosh here. Uh, we'll do more NFL, but quickly college football playoff. Uh, obviously, that was all the rage at noon leading into the what NFL a game. Absolute joke? Absolute uh, joke. Michigan, come on! You're a Notre Dame fan. You're not going to stand up for Florida State. I you're am. right there with Alabama. You're one of the big boys, KB. So no, brands matter. No, because it, yes, because 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. If
1: Alabama was Mississippi
0: State, they would not be in the playoff. A thousand percent. I uh, listen. I could not be with you any more than you already are. That's and why. Do betting lines matter? Because that's all I hear. Nothing uh, matters. Alabama would be favored in this oh, game, yeah. in game
1: Okay, so if betting lines matter. Walk me through how Washington's two and Texas is three. If Texas is favored by four and a half over. Well, Washington betting lines matter.
0: It also took a miracle for you know Alabama to beat Auburn, who stinks, who lost to like New Mexico or New Mexico State. But us complaining about it—that's what makes the college football. They love what they love. You being angry. If you're angry this morning at the college football playoff, they are happy. Michigan won uh, Wisconsin. Or Wisconsin. Good God. Uh, Washington, Michael Paddix Jr. at two. Texas, three. Alabama, four. Five is going to be Florida State, six Georgia going into those big games. So there you go. And then the
1: last note tonight is going to be a busy sports night. We'll see if Purdue can bounce back. They are a big favorite at home. I think I saw 13 and a half over Iowa. You go back to Friday night. Boo Booey, he's the new Ron Harper Jr. of the Big Ten to <laughs> Purdue. And I, maybe a little bit of Indiana. I remember that floater he hit against Indiana. But for the second straight year, Northwestern court storming there. Kind of same old, same old, Andy. Ton of turnovers and couldn't throw it in the ocean there for a stretch. Uh, that's what absolutely plagued Purdue on Friday night at Welsh The
0: premature... Uh, court storming though, it's never as good the second time around oh, for Northwestern. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it of was. Nerd storming the floor. <laughs> I you did it. call him drunk nerds. Yeah, I think Purdue will be fine. All I care about is seeing McCaffrey lose his mind. All Fran McCaffrey. Who will he berate on his team? You'll have to find out tonight. Teed up
1: by what? Twelve thirty to go in the first <laughs> half tonight in Indiana. Nice win over Maryland. Uh, probably their best stretch of basketball. And again, without Xavier Johnson. Uh, Indiana now off to take on Michigan coming up tomorrow night as we continue those two Big Ten games here early in the month of December. All right, speaking of the Pacers and their in-season tournament tonight with the Boston Celtics, Brick Carlisle. He wanted to bump it up, bump it up to Monday All Monday right, let's morning. go.
0: He joins us next. It's a feel-good Monday in here. It's a winning Monday around here on The Fan. We appreciate you reacting with us. It's the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. We got you until 10 o'clock. Reminder, new Indiana football coach Kirk Signetti going to be joining us uh, at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. We'll get back into all the Colts discussion uh, and much uh, more here over the next three hours. It's a day early, but a big one tonight in Game Bridge. The in-season tournament, Celtics and Pacers. will have it right Right here on The Fan and to preview that and to talk about the weekend that was Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? Doing well, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us here day early on a Monday. Before we get to the Celtics tonight and uh, the uh, the in-season tournament and everything else, uh, you guys lost one, then you won one, and you responded with no Tyrese Halliburton uh, the other night against the Heat, a big 15-point win. What did you like about your team coming off that loss and then making adjustments and playing so well on Saturday night?
2: Well, a very determined response. Um we needed to do a lot of things better defensively. Uh, we had a good start in the first game of the of the two-game series um, and then faltered, really, in the last quarter and a half. And uh, in game two, um, you know, the idea was to make certain adjustments, to be more consistently physical, uh, more consistently in a, of an attacking mindset, and, um, you know, just keep playing the game. We, we were behind – Gosh, you know the entire first quarter, um, a pretty good chunk of the second, and ju- but just kept playing, and so it's really it's really the template for what we're going to need to do tonight against Boston. Uh, you know, Boston. Routinely plays from in front and, uh, you know, whatever happens at the beginning of the game, whether whether we, can get a, whether we can get a lead or whether we're around around even or whether we're a little behind, we, we've got to play like we're 10 down um, and just keep attacking and just keep attacking and, and just keep playing our style, um, involve each other um, and just keep playing together.
1: Again, Rick Carlisle is with us here. I feel like that's one we'll look back on at the end of the year and think that was one of the more impressive wins uh, uh, on Saturday night, even though it gets lost a little bit in the weekend shuffle. Coach, uh, I mentioned this last week, April 2019, the last time Gamebridge Fieldhouse has hosted a playoff game. You strike me as a pretty even keel individual, but I'm curious, like, emotion-wise, does this morning, did going to bed last night, did thinking about tonight, does it come close to... You know, a, a, a playoff type of feel, or am I making too much of it?
2: Well, you know, on December third or fourth, whatever this is, um, you know, this is the closest thing you're, you're going to get, probably, to um, a playoff type situation. I mean, for the way the NBA is structured right now, I mean, this is this is the ultimate. Um, during the season game or in season game. And so, uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, it's going to be exceedingly difficult. I mean, this is a great team. This is the, this is the team with the best record in the NBA. And so, uh, you know, we've drawn, uh, a difficult matchup. We've, we've earned it, um, you know, by, by winning all four games of our group. Um, but at this stage, you know, this is, this is where all the good teams are. So, we're in the final eight, um, and you're going to be in some difficult company, some good company, and so uh, we'll, we'll just look look forward to the opportunity.
1: I know he didn't play on Saturday night. You expect Tyrese Halliburton to play tonight?
2: Well, I, I certainly hope so. I we don't know for sure. Uh, I think he's listed as questionable. Um, he came down with a, you know a non-COVID illness. Um, three days ago and uh it, it elevated itself pretty quickly and he was feeling better um you know the night after the game uh, isaiah jackson went through something similar over the past several days so we'll hope for the best um I expect that he probably, you know, I, I don't see him missing this game, but uh, we'll see how how Mother Nature feels about it tonight at 7:30.
0: Rick Carlisle with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, we know what happened that first time around in Boston. You played without Halliburton. We'll see, obviously, if he is back tonight. Porzingis is going to be out on the Boston side. What can you get from that earlier matchup that you can apply to tonight's game? Do you think, if anything?
2: Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that's a very good question. Um, you know, the first half we, in, in going back and looking at it, um, the way the game ended up, it, it felt like it was just an onslaught just totally from start to finish. Uh, we actually did some good things in the first half, the third quarter got very ugly. And so, um, I, you know, we, we just got to, we've got to personalize it. And, um, you know, head into tonight with with the with the understanding of what it's going to take to to stay close and give ourselves a chance at the end, and that is, you know, to to play um, in you know a, an inspired brand of basketball. Obviously, um, hard play is going to get our fans into it. Uh, that's going to be a, a, a very very important aspect of tonight. Um, it's a little odd having, you know, being in the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament and and having it on a Monday night, you know, it just <laughs> just seems a little unusual. Um, but I expect our our crowd to be uh to be awesome tonight and and it's on us to get them into it. So, you know, all those things are are certainly going to play into it and uh, and again, we're we're looking forward to the opportunity
1: Uh, He passed Frank Vogel for the most Pacers wins in NBA history. Rick Carlisle did that on Saturday night uh, in that victory in Miami. Coach, no... Porzingis tonight for the Celtics. Obviously, Al Horford uh, is there, kind of big. And then, of course, we know it's wings galore with Boston. Just from a defensive standpoint, um, how do you kind of counter a team that has so much interchangeable with those wings, so many capable guys one-on-one and the versatility that they bring on that offensive end of the floor?
2: Yeah, and, you know, their the real ace in the hole is their three point shooting. I mean, I think they're shooting more threes and making more threes than anybody in the league right now. And, and, and they may even be on a historic pace. I don't know that for sure. But in the first game, they just. You know, they started the game off just jumping over us and knocking in threes. And so um, they're going to have to feel us more tonight uh, physically. I thought from game one to game two of the little mini-series that we had with Miami, um, our physicality was, was much more consistent in the second game than it was in the first. And we and we carried it through, you know, for 48 minutes. And it's going to be essential tonight. I mean, you know, you're talking about Tatum and Brown, both You know, two all-star slash all NBA players, Um, Drew Holiday, who's one of the best defensive players in the league, and a guy that can, you know, on a given night score thirty or forty points as he did with us last year. Derek White's having a great year, Um, and you know, no Porzingis is, I I suppose, is is a break for us, but uh, you know, Horford's no picnic either, and and Horford's probably a more versatile defender, so. You know, it's, it all adds up to um, a great opportunity, but but a difficult one. And so uh, there's a lot of things to prepare for.
0: Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. A couple more minutes. Pacers head coach again tonight in Cambridge. Our coverage here on the fan. Buddy Heel, just 4 of 21 from 3 the last three games. And I know I'm kind of picking those stats uh, out of the air. He has struggled, though, from beyond the arc. We know he's a great shooter coach. What, what if anything, do you do? to kind of get him going or is it just something that confidence wise he'll shoot himself out of the slump seemingly
2: just keep putting him out there you know it's it's gonna keep going <laughs> a guy a guy that shoots the ball that well is 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 gonna make shots you know eventually and one one thing about him he is he is undaunted um, you know missed shots don't don't bother him and I thought I thought he played one of his best defensive games of the year on Saturday night in Miami, uh, he was physical. He, uh, was in great position. He created problems. And even though he didn't play particularly well from an offensive standpoint, in terms of shot making, uh, he was a plus 20 when he was on the floor and guys like him, they, they change, uh, they change the geometry of the game because, you know, teams are going to put, you know, a guy on him and, and just, is really, simply commit someone to him all over the floor. Um, it's one of the reasons that, uh, in on many nights, he doesn't get a lot of uh, of, of easy open shots. But it's uh, it's very much the Reggie Miller effect. Um, when Reggie was out on the floor, uh, it was it was like a four on four game. You know, um, away from him, which which opens up space for a lot of teammates. So uh, tonight, we need Buddy to just stay stay with his process. Um, you know, he's a guy that's, uh, you know, like, like Tyrese, you know, has not, these guys have not played in, in the NBA playoffs. So this is an opportunity to play in a, in a simulation type game, you know, in December. So uh, I'm sure those two guys will be uh, very excited for tonight, as will all of us.
1: Again, Rick Carlisle is with us. It is Pacers and Celtics, 7.30. So a little bit later of a tip time than we're used to for a home game. But it is the in-season tournament coming up tonight in the quarterfinal. Coach, last one for me. Um, Tyrese Halliburton specifically has been pretty outspoken about the lack of nationally televised games that he's experienced in his career. He will get one tonight on TNT. I, I, I don't know. You typically hear from coaches, you know, ignore the noise. We don't care about that stuff, blah, blah, blah. It seems like your guys and your best player cares about it. Could you speak to maybe how the locker room or the players inside of your building um, look at tonight's game when you think about it from a national standpoint?
2: Well, this is an opportunity that they've earned, Um, you know, winning all four games in our group play in this, in this tournament with, with all the attention that's been on each game and, you know, really a heightened competitive level, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's a credit to them that they've put themselves in this in this circumstance. Um, but here's the thing about tonight: it, it's 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 a game where uh, because it's on national TV, because it's um, an in-season quarterfinal game, um, you know, those things are, are significant. But it's going to come down to hard, aggressive, ultimate team play, and. Um, The thing we did the other night so well in miami adjusting from game one to game two we took a lot of the emotion out of what was going on out there um you're in miami you're in a tough building you're playing against a physical team um you you've got to keep your emotions in check you've got to you know strap in for the long haul i mean each quarter is long uh, an NBA game is exceedingly long. It's over two and a half hours for 48 minutes. And so you just got to brace yourself, you know, at every timeout for, to prepare for the next, you know, whistle to whistle stretch. So it's five minutes to start the game and then there'll be a timeout. Then it'll be four minutes and a timeout and then three minutes in the quarter. And then it'll go five, four, three again. And that'll, that'll happen four times. Um, We've got to we've got to kind of lose the whole awareness that it's a national TV game. It's an it's an it's an NBA game, and we have to play Pacer basketball better than they play Celtics basketball, and that's going to be our task.
1: Coach, congrats on the win Saturday night, passing Frank Vogel on that all-time NBA list for the franchise, and I think it'll be a hell of an atmosphere tonight inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. So enjoy that, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Take care. It's Rick Carlisle, Payless Less Liquors Hotline right there. Again, Andy, I've said it all along. Uh, April 2019, last time GameBridge or, I guess, Indian general, whatever, Banker's Life has hosted a playoff game. Uh, he's right. This team has earned it. Uh, amidst all kind of the up and down and the poor
0: defense, they have earned it, uh, this opportunity tonight, and uh, really looking forward to the environment. You think Carlisle has any fun in South Beach when he's there after coming off a loss, or do you think it's just all basketball? Probably, uh Boy, probably. That's, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> probably <laughs> no steakhouse on yeah. uh, on Saturday yeah. after coming off a there loss. It wasn't such a big game tonight. Maybe, maybe we could have slid that one in there. Three nights uh, on South Beach. Yeah. It's gonna be a good one, man. Seven o'clock tonight. Our coverage here: Pacers, Celtics on the fan. Um, I'm just laughing. I was just reading some stuff during the break. By the way, Kirk Signetti going to join us. New IU football coach. We'll talk with him here. Can he get on the mic the top of the in the hour. Fieldhouse? <laughs> Would that be okay? If he rev
1: that uh, Indy car. He might rev it right into the visiting <laughs> bench.
0: And the Celtics oh goodness. Uh, uh Coming from the game on Sunday with the Colts, uh, just a couple different things uh, coming from that game that I still want to dive into, that we have time to dive into. You know, I just, you know, Minshew is one of those players, uh, KB, that... I, I I just feel like we were sitting there. Were you not sitting there Sunday saying is he gonna be able to do enough to win this game? That's how I felt almost. Like is he is he going to be able to make those throws? And then you had the you had the Levis fumble. Right? You had the Levis fumble, and then you had, you know, the Colts pick it up, and then you had the Minshew fumble on top of it. And I'm sitting there saying, Oh, guys, come on, right? Like that's how I'm sitting there. I'm saying, come on, don't lose this way. And ultimately they win. Uh Minshew 312 yards, drop back 42 times. The reason I bring him up is, you know, as we go this season, we need to remember that they needed to throw the ball forty two times in this game. That they needed Minshew to play well in this game, and he did. And it wasn't one of those games because it's easy easy to box score hunt. Uh, it wasn't one of those games where they needed to run the football more. They were, in. and Saiken knew, they were going to have to win this game the way they did, uh, and they threw for 312 yards on Vrabel, and you knew it had to kill Vrabel, them losing on special teams like that. It, Being a Belichick guy. Oh. You know,
1: it, it oh. is kind of wild to me. You think back to Minshew's day, I thought wildly inconsistent. I thought easily his two best plays of the day were the two deep ball throws to Pierce, which you would make the argument that's certainly not his strength. He's not really known as a deep ball thrower. But, I mean, you go back to the – I mean, just taking the sack in the red zone. I mean, that, that that's a ball after three seconds. You just throw it to the beer guy, and you take your field goal and kind of move on there. You know, he he, he missed Pittman on the first third and one of the game. Remember Pittman's open right. on the sideline? He misses that. He missed Pierce. Um, you know, he had the third and one to downs. He threw kind of way behind downs. Didn't really give him an opportunity. Obviously, the two-point play – speaks for itself I thought one of the wilder plays was remember when he slid out of bounds short of the sticks a yard shy yeah I was like well, what you got to turn that ball up or put Did your he head not down you see the chains <laughs> I, I,
0: that was one of the wilder plays but like there's so much there's bad but then he does a few things that totally redeems what, himself what dumb and dumber style there
1: in in overtime and even the Pittman touchdown I mean that was a great ball right on target there Uh, But the two balls to to Pierce, I I, I do want to get into that a little bit later. Um, Again, I thought Reggie Wayne had an interesting tweet afterwards that kind of has described a little bit of the season for Alec Pierce. Um, And, you know, that is a reminder yesterday, Andy, of why I feel like you got to dial up three of those deep shots a game to Pierce. You're not going to hit with the same sort of success rate like you had yesterday. I'm not expecting that with Pierce. But when you take those concerted deep shots, you force a defense to acknowledge it, you force a defensive back on some sort of an island to not panic. How many times do you see DBs just totally panic 30 yards down the field? And that ball is no chance to be caught. The wideout doesn't even maybe know where the ball is, but they just run into you and you get a big pass interference penalty. And also, obviously, Pierce has shown in his NFL career and certainly did at Cincinnati, he can make those plays. I mean, he is a great... uh, a recognizer of where the ball is on those deep balls. And then he maybe didn't show it as much yesterday, but he can kind of climb the ladder and go and get it. And that's part of his volleyball background. And again, Notre Dame and Indiana football fans saw it firsthand in that final season Pierce had at Cincinnati because he did it to both those teams in the fourth quarter of big road wins. Um, so credit to Shane Syke and, and company for dialing those up. And then certainly Minshew. He put two balls exactly on the money on a day when we would be easily talking about Sam Ellinger should he be the starter moving forward.
0: Ugh. Uh, I poor, mean, right? Poor, poor Kylan would be here on her on her Monday. Mark, Mark gets to not have to talk about that. He wouldn't have to talk about Sam Ellinger. Seriously. Uh, Kirk Sinetti going to join us after him at about 830. I want to dive into that. What is Alec Pierce? Can you figure this guy out? Like, honestly, can you figure this guy out? I actually think you can okay yeah. i i, I, I need I you feel, i need you to explain feel him feel to me at eight thirty.
1: okay yeah. good we'll now do maybe that. that's kurt signetti rubbing off on me and he's about to <laughs> join us right here did you see indiana offered the number one player in the nation i saw that hey, hey you might
0: as well you might as well swing right just the like most
1: confident man in all of the nation certainly the state of indiana and definitely the 812 area code kurt signetti joins us next
0: hour number two appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us last segment we'll dive back into the Colts discussion a wild a crazy and unpredictable game but fourth straight now for the Colts we'll dive into that but you heard the rejoin there Kurt Signetti the new head coach Indiana football and he joins us here top of the eight o'clock hour on the fan coach first of all good morning second of all congratulations and third I gotta begin the interview with this Uh, whether it's at uh, JMU when you took the mic from Pat McAfee or had the mic the other night there in Bloomington, Uh, you have some pro wrestler vibes when you get that microphone coach, where did you get that from? I think it comes with
5: age, you know, when you're
0: 62 years
5: old, you tend to uh, not screen your thoughts quite as much. And you say whatever (laughs) you want, because you know what I mean? Uh, But really, you know, that statement was uh, just so untruthful because I take a back seat to my wife every single day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all. Andy and I have our hand raised as well, Coach, (laughs) on that. Um, uh, I I do want to ask one more about those comments Friday night. When did it hit you Friday that you were going to do that? Like walk out there on the floor. (laughs) When did it cross that 62-year-old mind of yours that watch this? I'm going to say Purdue. And you know what? Let's throw Michigan and Ohio State there uh, uh, as well.
5: Probably when I was like three feet from the center of the court. Like I figured I could wave my hand and everybody could just sit down and give me a light clap, mm-hmm, right. you mm-hmm. know. But that's what really wasn't what I was put out there for. I was put out there to get a reaction. So I figured, <laughs> okay,
1: let's go. Well, you certainly you got, got that. One, yeah. And I saw Ryan Walters chimed in on Twitter <laughs> as well. So the bucket game already adding a little spice here some 11 months early. Uh, okay, first order of business. You know, we saw the tweet earlier this morning, you got team meeting. The notepad was out. What does this week look like as you get into your first full week as a head coach of the Hoosiers?
5: Yeah, that was about an hour into the day, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, th- uh, these transitions are really uh, – you know, you got a lot of balls in the air. And, uh, but fortunately, I've done this a few times, so you know exactly what needs done, so there's no, like, sense of panic or, uh, you know, there- there's no anxiousness on my part. You know what I mean? Um sort of a methodical process. What complicates it a little bit nowadays is the portal, you know, an NIL, um, which you didn't deal with before. And, and uh, most of these places, when they turn over a new head coach, you know, about half their starters go in the portal. And so you're, you're not – you're trying to retain your good players, and then you're also trying to acquire new players – and and that's besides the high school component and getting to know your roster and getting to know the people and trying to find your way to work and you know, where do I go and get water at and where's the coffee machine?
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. Uh, I'm about three and a half months into the job. I didn't know we even had a coffee machine until Friday, uh, Coach. I didn't know. <laughs> so, so if you know, I uh, so I know how you feel. Kirk Signetti with us. Okay, you mentioned about retaining players. We'll dive into NIL. We know the portal this morning opening up is going to be wild. But retaining players, how do you do that? What is your pitch to tell these guys, "Hey, come back, Indiana football. We got something cooking here." I'm a winner. I win, and I and I have the blueprint, and it's
5: player-friendly. The players enjoy the way we run the program. We have high standards and expectations and accountability, but we treat them with trust and respect. We get results. Everybody wants to win. There's nothing like singing the fight song in the locker room or, or celebrating with your teammates and then leaving the locker room and seeing your parents and going out to dinner with them. That's what it's all about. Winning develop, uh, forms great relationships. Uh, with your teammates' great memories. Uh, it puts people in the stands, and uh, it gives every player maximum exposure. You want to be all-conference. You want to be all-American. You want to be part of a winner. We're going to turn this thing around. It's a process, one step at a time, no self-imposed limitations. There's no magic formula. I can't wave a magic wand, and everything today is okay. All right, but I've been down this road before, and we don't have to be where uh, where I want us to be today. We just need us to be there when we leave that locker room for the first game.
1: If I had one-tenth of the confidence of Kurt Signetti, I might have gone home not alone from the bars a few more times at, uh, <laughs> at, at, in Bloomington than I did when I was an undergrad. Uh, the very confident Kurt Signetti joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, uh, Pam Witten said on Friday that when she asked you what your secret sauce was, uh, the, the phrase she used was, you mentioned, you wage a tenacious battle against complacency. Could you expand on that?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of relentlessly uh, pursue and against complacency. You you know, in this business, really, anybody can beat anybody. And, like, Indiana lost six games last year by one score. And, you know, a football game, a lot of times, three or four plays decided. Like, our last game of the year, for instance, at JMU, right? We beat Coastal, like, 57-14 or something like that. But early in that game, it was nothing, nothing, okay? And we threw a swing pass to a uh, running back, and the end peeled, and he had his hands on the ball. And if he would have caught the ball, he would have scored a 60-yard interception return, and that would have been a totally different game, right? So um, the margin for error is thin, is my point. And uh, so you got to have the right mindset, uh going into the game and throughout the week in your preparation. Now that is not normal to do when you play 12 regular season football games with one week off, because human nature, you know, like Mike Krzyzewski said, when he retired, his biggest enemy was human nature and human nature is such that if you win a big game, you feel good, right? You feel good on Saturday in the locker room, Sunday, Monday. Well, you know, by Monday now, My job is to make sure everybody's humble and hungry and and doesn't have the warm fuzzies. So, uh, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? And it all starts with me and then my staff and then trickles down to the players because you got to have the edge every Saturday. Look, the first three games or so, every team shows up ready to play. After that, it's who's ready to play. Okay. Normal is average. If you want to be great, you have to have unusual focus, preparation and commitment, and you got to be able to say no and do what you need to do, not what you want to do consistently.
1: That tweet from Kurt Signetti fired off at 5:46 a.m. this morning. He said that was an hour into his Monday morning, <laughs> so that would be 4:46 when the day got started there for the new IU football staff. You mentioned transfer portal. I, I don't know if, if this is even something that kind of crossed your mind, and I get that it's very fluted, uh, fluid. Excuse me. Ideally, percentage of your roster, how much would that be portal and how much would that be high school?
5: I think you look across the country right now, you know, you're looking most teams, most teams across college football are 30% plus transfers that that may not be what everyone ideally would like. And I think long-term you build that foundation and you build that program through the high schools, right? But then you got to supplement those needs through the portal because you may lose guys unexpectedly and then you have to replace an immediate need, right? So you have to be able to thrive in the portal. And we talk about building a program, but let's face it guys. Nowadays, social, I mean, everybody wants instant gratification. You gotta build seasons, which then build a program.
0: Kirk Cignetti with us, new IU football coach. Uh, Coach, I I have a feeling we're going to like you. Uh, You're candid. uh, You're up front. You're great with the microphone. I have a feeling this is going to be fun, Uh, and you're going to have to rally the troops here to give money. NIL such a huge component. I know Indiana is really trying to catch up on the football side. Do you have ideas? If so, what ideas are you brainstorming right now uh, with the people there, the staff in Bloomington, to get NIL cooking for the Hoosiers?
5: It, it didn't cook and it's done. We're there. You know, and, and part of what I got to do is change the way people think, my players, people around the program, okay, and people outside the program because there's a perception that, that people won't give to football. We have, the ante's been upped. The figure is there. It's a very highly competitive figure within the Big Ten Conference.
1: He's Kurt Signetti. He's with us here uh, again on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, what's been the most surprising thing that's come across your desk in the first 48, 72 hours on the job?
5: My office view. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not too bad. It's I was looking at it.
5: I, mean, I, I look outside, and there's the stadium. There's the new nutrition area, the new academic center, all these new facilities that were built. I mean... Uh, you know, I could put three or four people up here for a week uh, in my office, and they would be very comfortable.
0: <laughs> well, there's probably a lot it of places. It is a nice view. What's the timeline on a staff? We've heard, obviously, some names coming from JMU. What, uh, what, you know, What is your staff going to look like here in the next few days, do you think?
5: Staff's done. I got one to hire. Uh, when I get off the phone with you guys today, they'll do their paperwork for payroll. Um and uh, we're up and humming. I got one to hire. And, and all, I, most of the support personnel and recruiting department is in place. I won't uh, move on them very quick. I'll evaluate what we have here, get through the recruiting cycle, the signing date in February, and then see where we need to go from there.
1: Did I see you've got the craziest individual I know in Pat Koontz coaching your D-line? Well, you know, he
5: really settled down. You know, he got married. He, he's got a child. He's got another one on the way in about seven days. So, uh, and then, you know, I, I sort of molded them a little bit. I have, I have a certain, like, little formula for molding people, you know. What's on
0: that formula? It's not
1: a real comfortable process,
0: by the way. That, uh, What's the he's formula? He's not an easy one to mold, Coach. Well, well, I want to know the formula. What's your moldable formula, I guess, Coach, if you don't mind? Can you give us some of those well, pointers? You know, someday we'll sit down and talk okay. about it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Last
1: one for me, and again, Kurt Signetti's with us here, the new IU football coach. Um, you know, it's probably fair to say in many ways Ways, IU's been the laughing stock of college football, certainly power conference football, for several decades now. Why did you want this job?
5: I've turned one around like this already. They had a worse record. This is just a bigger stage. Uh, I'm all about winning. You know, I'm a football guy. My hobby's football. I'm football and family. Um, and, uh, you know, this is doable. This is going to get done. And uh, it's, on, it's on the biggest stage there is. The Big Ten Conference is the best conference in the country. We've got the best TV deal in the country. It's it's you know it's ascension continues uh, at a fast pace. And uh, I'll be honest, you know I could have stayed at JMU had a contract till 2030. I was loved. Probably would have built a statue for me. I was one of the winningest coaches in college football. But uh, I needed this challenge to keep growing. My, it got my juices flowing. And I, I tell you, I haven't had a bad moment since I've been here.
0: Now, we haven't played a game yet, but uh, we're going to have fun this fall, too. What went into the conversation around coaching the the bowl game there at JMU? I think early on it was the thought process that you were going to do that. Now it's you're not going to do that. What happened there?
5: I think it was a natural process, to be honest with you. You know, I think the athletic director at JMU, his comfort level when this happened, and we had a great – still do, and we're great friends, was, you know – that I would coach the bowl game, but you know, the way this process really works when you take a new job, I mean, you've left your old job and you have to devote 100% of your time to your new job because there's a million things to do. And like for me and my staff to show up two days before the bowl game wouldn't make any sense. And, you know, they've had kids going the transfer portal. there, good players, really good players and they're in a transfer portal. So they're, they're open. It's open season. And um, I think as, as time went on, the leadership at JMU realized what's the sense of, you know, this. there's no sense in this. And from my standpoint, um, while I have a strong emotional attachment to those guys, uh, I think to do them right, to do them right, they need to be coached by the existing members there. They're going to hire a new head coach soon that will bring a staff in that will watch what's going on. They'll hire some people on a temporary basis that have coach collegiately. And, and that gives them the best chance to be successful.
1: Coach, congrats. Uh, mother bears for your first mm. staff lunch is the route. I would go here coming up uh, later today. I know a lot, a lot is on your plate, not just the mother bears, hopefully, uh, but appreciate the time you're on this Monday morning.
5: All right, guys, be good.
1: Kurt Signetti right there. If, Words could talk, IU would be undefeated, and the Rose Bowl, well, I guess not even the Rose Bowl, hell, they, they'd be the number one seed in the college football playoff next year. Um, how much do you think that matters, that aspect to it? Just like, I, I know we obviously can play the clips until, you know, next year's bucket game, and uh, clearly there's comments, you know, I mean, hell, he just said JMU was going to build a statue. How much do you think <laughs> IU needs that
0: verbal swagger? From their head football coach, oh, I think anyone needs it. Don't you need a but, chip but on the shoulder if you're IU? Why you well, like, need like, it? Yeah, again, they've oh, been the no idea. stock. Oh yeah, there's no, there's He's not no idea.
1: whatever, Minnesota or Michigan State, you know, some program that's had a little bit of success here um, over the past X amount of years. It's IU football.
0: Now they need it. He's really good at talking season, man. I can see why Pat uh, he's really good. and Scott Dolson were so enamored with it. <laughs> oh, he's really good at talking season. Oh, he's gonna give us some sound. You know you know you know Shane Steichen's sound? Now think of the exact opposite. Oh, one thousand That's going to be Kirk Signetti. Yeah, Kirk Signetti in front of a mic
1: versus Shane Steichen would be one of the biggest blowouts you've
0: ever seen. Well, I was going to ask, what's the finest Italian restaurant in in Bloomington? I, is, and is I have Grossi no idea. Is Rossi still around? So, I don't know. You tell me. A buddy of mine said that Eric Gordon had his own restaurant now. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Well, there you go. Now no. we need to know.
1: Mother Bear's Pizza is without. Oh, it's question, fantastic.
0: The bet. I did like something
1: um, that Scott Dolson mentioned on Friday, and obviously we're going to get back into the Colts and Titans conversation here. Just a second. But you know, listening to that Friday afternoon press conference, Andy, with Scott Dolson, President Pam Witten, and then of course Kurt Signetti, Dolson mentioned on the checklist he wanted is he had a priority of someone that has worked and been successful with quarterbacks. And I think that is such a smart idea. It probably there's an element of it, doesn't that go without saying? But I think if you want to boil down the downfall of the Tom Allen era, you could probably talk offense as a whole because right. the O-line was an issue. But whether it was the offensive coordinators coming and going, obviously the Michael Pennick situation. But, you know, even when Indiana's been bad, the quarterback play has not always really been, like, the reason why. It's been, you know, typically their defense kind of has been bad. So, you know, to me, that's got to be the non-starter. With how the transfer portal operates – you know There is an opportunity to go out there and find high-level quarterback play, I think on a pretty annual basis. So that aspect to it, the James Madison background of how his quarterbacks have played, that does seem like a box that is checked. And no matter what happens, if you've got turnover, defensive coordinator, uh, you're always going to have some stability on offense, given Signetti's background offensively. The dude's a character, man. He's an
0: absolute character. <laughs> and I mean that in a great way. He's an absolute character. Good for him. Now, I'd Good love for IU. The Ryan Walter. Walter's had the emojis, something about, like, receipts, correct? Yeah, receipts, and then the boiler pointing uh-huh. up. You Which know, I The train it. pointing up. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm all for and, it. And knowing
1: a little bit of Ryan Walter's, and we've had him on a couple times, there is some swagger there, too. Oh, so sure so there I, is. You know, he might not be taking a mic at Mackey and saying, <laughs> IU sucks. I guess his student section kind of does that. Does for, he need to now? For him. Hey, but... hurry up and get out here. Well, when you're 1-0 in the old bucket game, you know, I guess you got that going for you. So, again, the podcast will have Rick Carlisle. It'll have Kurt Signetti as well. Back to the Colts and Titans conversation, 31-28. You had something you want to touch on Alec Pierce related? Well, I mean, I
0: don't know what Alec Pierce is. Can I play clip one if you can? Here's Gardner Minshew on Alec Pierce staying positive when he's not getting a lot of catches.
3: He does a great job of, uh, you know, just staying positive for one. Like, there's teams or rooms I've been in where, like, that can get toxic really fast, you know, because he hadn't been getting a ton of targets and he hadn't uh, gotten a ton of opportunity. But, you know what? He's made the most of this today and uh, has maintained a positive attitude. So I think we're just going to continue to build with him and uh, continue to have confidence in him.
0: I don't know what, like, I don't know what I, what opinion I should have on Pierce. At all. Like, I am, he's a wide receiver who doesn't get a lot of targets, who doesn't have very good stats at all. But every single, and I remember Stephen Holder tweeted this maybe three, four weeks ago, KB, about Alec Pierce when people would bag on him. It's like, go to the locker room and listen how the guys talk about Pierce. I think he's a pretty damn good blocker. There's no doubt without Anthony Richardson, um, Gardner Minshew maybe doesn't fit into getting Pierce the ball in the best way. I mean, if you talk about throwing the ball deep, that's not something that has happened a lot here. It's why yesterday was so refreshing is they had a couple of those dialed up and they hit a couple of those. And, you know, there's been probably three games this season that the best thing that we talked about Pierce doing was drawing some sort of P.I. flag in some sort of way. Like, I think the guy is talented. He's only, a, you know, a, you know he's still a young player. What, year two? Still a young player in the NFL. But he has that game yesterday, and you start to say, okay, there is some of that. Like, like we're talking about them going out and getting wide receiver help. We're talking about them going and re-signing Michael Pittman, who was so fantastic, yesterday. I mean, Pittman, um, whether he's a 1, a 1B, a 2, I don't care. He's just an absolute beast. He's tough as hell, and he was great, but I am trying to figure out over the last few months how to formulate my opinion on Alec Pierce, and I need help. I think he's a good player, and yesterday showed it. I just, I don't know if he's a non-stat guy. I don't know if the offense were, you know, under Anthony Richardson, and we were sitting here in December with Anthony Richardson having all these reps and all these game situations if Pierce might have twenty-five more catches on his box score this week. That's why I look to you, KB. What is he? What I mean, what should we expect from him? Because I mean if he can ever take the top off of defense, that's add something to this offense they have not had in many, many weeks.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Andy, that he is probably a one trick pony, which I think when you say that, it's immediately met with a negative viewpoint of it. Oh, he's a one-trick pony? Oh, I mean, is that worth a second-round pick? But that one trick is damn damn dangerous. And it is such a rewarding trick if you do hit on it. Both him and Michael Pittman were over 100 yards yesterday. How different were those 100-yard days for the two? Pittman is methodical. You know, death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, how many... Ca- I mean, what is it? It seems like every game you just pencil Michael Pittman in for nine catches, 96 yards, and You know, probably doesn't score, although he scored yesterday. Whereas Pierce, with the right quarterback, which I think is so important to stress here, he can provide you those moments like yesterday. And again, there is risk-reward in having to get Pierce involved. The risk is, you need the seven-step drop. You need your pass protection to be really good. If it falls incomplete, it's kind of a low-percentage play, and you feel like, damn, now it's second and ten? Like... Did you just kind of waste it and try to get ahead of the chains? But if you hit on it, boom, you get the big answer like you got in the first quarter. Boom, you get the overtime play that wins you the game. Um, Reggie Wayne tweeted after the game something, Andy. Receivers just need opportunities. And in a way, I'm like, well, you could probably interpret that as a shot at Gardner Minshew. But, and I don't think Wayne was necessarily going there. But it's a reminder of... Alec Pierce needs specific opportunities. That's he needs that's the key. The right. deep ball attempts. And that's why I thought when Anthony Richardson was drafted, the unquestioned strength of Richardson as a thrower exiting Florida was he is a very accurate deep ball thrower. I think for anybody that's even watched Richardson small sample size here in the uh regular season, go back to the preseason. Remember, Pierce had that big drop in the preseason, of a great deep ball throw in Buffalo from Richardson in Buffalo. So I thought to myself, okay, this makes a lot of sense. You're catering to your quarterback's strength here. And if Pierce, which he showed even last year, Matt Ryan was kind of fitting doing the game. He had that game clincher against Jacksonville where Ryan throws it up to him. He kind of climbs the ladder and makes that play. So to me, when I see that Reggie Wayne, receivers just need opportunities. Even with a guy like Minshew, I still think it's so vital for the Colts to have three to four of those Pierce deep shots a game. Again, you might they might fall incomplete, a couple of them. And Andy, we sit here and he's got one catch yeah. for 24 yards on a, on a Sunday, and you're like, that's all Alec Pierce did? But again, you're sending a threat to the defense. You're making them have a safety probably over the top. And if they don't, you saw what happened there in overtime. You also are putting the defense on an island. And you're saying, all right, DB, don't panic. Because if you panic, they're going to throw a flag. And with how the rules are in the NFL, we're going to get the ball likely at that spot. So that's why I think Pierce can be viewed as that one-trick pony. But with Richardson, again, get away from Gardner here for for a second. With Richardson, you're playing to your quarterback's strengths with him. So to me, I've never felt like Pierce was this bust. Again, it's not going to be the consistent Pittman sort of days. But with the right quarterback, if you dial up enough of those shots... Over the course of a 17-game season, this dude's going to go help you win three or four games just based off his presence and his skill set and what you do to an opposing defense.
0: I feel like—I'm with you. I feel like, though, if—you know how people are. If I gave you 25 catches, 391 yards, and a touchdown, and this team wasn't what they are now, uh, the seventh seed in the playoffs, and I told you they had three wins right now, people would be calling him a bust. Sure, but again— how much of that is quarterback-centric?
1: And I guess it could be fair, Andy, to say, man, Alec Pierce is a bit needy. You know, maybe maybe that's an accurate statement, like he needs, again, a specific quarterback, but that is the reality that you have with his skill set, that he's not going to be like a Pittman per se. Um, but again, if Richardson was the QB for the entire season, and we didn't really see Richardson aired out too much when he was in the lineup in the regular season, but I am very curious to see, and look, I mean, Pierce is going to go into his third season next year. It's not like you're in contract panic mode with him just yet. Yeah, this time next year, it'll be kind of an important time to evaluate him. But Especially if Richardson's
0: playing. Right. Right. I think that will have, you know, and they were so, I mean, they were in the infant stages of that offense. I really feel like the throwing part of the offense with Anthony Richardson. I thought you saw some of this stuff back at the beginning of the season that you saw this style and what he wanted to do running the football. We talked so much about the reps they had there running the football with Anthony Richardson. Before we get to a checkdown, any opinion on Will Levis? Any uh, watching him, I mean, there's good, there's bad. He's tough. He could have turned the ball over a, probably three times
1: yesterday, I, I thought. was a wild helicopter he had on that third down run early in the game. Of course, I'm watching that thinking, wait, Anthony Richardson got hurt on <laughs> how many hits that looked far, far less than that one? And to be fair, that was a big strength of Levis. Right. You know, was how, uh, how tough he was at Kentucky. I, I, I wasn't overly impressed. i I'm mean, sure he had some moments. Um, I thought... Him and Hopkins kind of getting into it on the sidelines, yeah. and by the way, both guys, especially Hopkins, said you know he was totally good with it after the game. He's like, "I like that fire out of him," uh, but to me, it looks like a very much a growing pain sort of uh, era here for Levis. I thought the Colts did a good job of kind of putting him into some rookie moments, though. You know, like it, it coverage is great. You make him progress through reads, all of a sudden that pocket starts to collapse. Uh, and the Colts had some timely plays. Quitty Pay, a guy that I have not talked about in a positive light very often on Mondays, uh, he had a couple of really really big moments yesterday to help out, uh, help out the Colts.
0: Yeah, the, what I can tell you what Tennessee needs going into the uh, going into the off season, and that's going to be some offensive line help. Six more sacks by the Colts yesterday, KB. That's what seventeen in the last three games. 17 sacks by this team in the last three games. You want to look at a big reason why they're winning? I thought the middle of the game, to kind of slow things down and stop some of the bleeding, I thought the middle of the game was huge for the Colts' defensive line. And after the
1: early—I mean, Henry just dominated them early. I thought like kind of the middle portion of the game, the run defense got a little better. And that was critical, I thought, to like forcing Levis into those throwing situations. Obviously, the Henry injury and that Jeffrey Simmons injury. I mean, again, that's one of those. If you don't come away with that, right. which I mean, hell, it boils down to a missed extra point by. I mean, hadn't Nick Folk made like seventy straight God. field goals? And they tried. And they
0: tried to put that yards? on poor Ryan Tannehill's hold. Which like, did the hold's fine, man? He shanked an extra point ten yards to the left. That's all he did. I couldn't
1: tell right? if that was like Tana I mean, it looked like at one point Tannehill was taking blame for that. I don't know if, like that was Tannehill being a good teammate. Again, the laces were kinda of pointed to the right. Oh, but come on. I, I, yeah, I know, yeah, trust me. Yeah. But like I have me talking about proper kicking technique <laughs> with a holder and a and, and a kicker, uh yeah, to me it looked like a shank, but I thought Tannehill's body language was kinda of odd in how he, you know whatever, was expressing regret to Nick Folk.
0: You mentioned that rush defense, 302 yards and two touchdowns the last game by the Colts. I mean, they have been relatively gashed so much so that... I tweeted out yesterday, there should be rose petals welcoming Grover Stewart back today. Derrick Henry got injured and you thought, oh boy, this could be a turning point, and it really wasn't. Six
1: straight games of at least 125 rushing yards allowed by the Colts. Obviously, those six games, all without Grover Stewart. Andy, that's the longest streak in 17 years for the franchise. So he's
0: been in the facility the last couple of weeks, right? He's Correct. been allowed. Basically, he, how, he couldn't do that the first three weeks, was it? Then he was yeah. allowed back in the facility, he, I
1: think? NFL rule state, you get busted for PEDs, you have to spend half of your suspension away from the team, and then once half of it is over, you can come back in the building. So he hasn't practiced, but he's allowed to attend that's meetings. That's big that he's back. Treatment, and you'd think he'd be very fresh. Uh, a guy that's already in great shape. Um, but I guess you can insert your PED P-D <laughs> joke I thought you here. were making the joke there. Um, but, good. yeah, he will be back in uniform coming up Sunday as they take on Joe Mixon and the Bengals. All right, it is time for a morning checkdown here on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. The morning checkdown on 93.5
0: and 107.5 The Fan. All right, Colts winners, we'll keep talking about the final 90 minutes of the show, 31-28 now, 7-5, and five. I think even more incredible, 5-1 on the road are the Indianapolis Colts, we talked so much about Alec Pierce, the other biggie there, Michael Pittman Jr., 11 catches, 105 yards, a game-winning touchdown, here's Shane Steichen postgame on a star-wide receiver.
4: Yeah, it's unbelievable, I mean, he's consistent every time he goes out there, I don't know what he had today, 11 for 100-something, I think, um... Just, you know, back-to-back games with 100 yards receiving. Uh, Just the consistency that he plays with week in, week out, and his preparation that he puts into it, and his toughness and his physicality, uh, it's special. KB, there's
0: no doubt about it. The Michael Pittman free agency now, to me, to me, besides Anthony Richardson and his health in the offseason, isn't the Pittman contract now... I mean, quickly becoming the number one thing we're going to be watching as this team tries to figure out this the end of this season and going into next year. I mean, he's going to get paid. This dude's awesome. Yeah, I've,
1: I've always been a re-signed Pittman guy. You know, said it when you had the Taylor fiasco back in training camp. That's something I would have gotten done then. Uh, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Is it a franchise tag situation? Because if Pittman hits the open market, boy, I really think he's going to cash in there. Um, all right, we've got the Pacers in action tonight. Rick Carlisle joined us earlier. Again, it is the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament against the number one team in the Eastern Conference. That would be the Boston Celtics. No Kristaps Porzingis for the Celtics in this one, but again, I mean, a Who's who of Drew Holiday and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Derek White, et cetera, et cetera for the Celtics. The Pacers did get a really nice win Saturday night in Miami without Tyrese Halliburton. It's amazing to think, Andy, 66% from the field in that victory over the Heat without Halliburton. I mean, this team, I mean, hell, they lost by what, 50 to the Celtics earlier without him. You have your best shooting night of the season
0: without a guy that should be on an MVP ballot. Do you like watching Jimmy Butler play? I mean, I like Jimmy Butler. That first game, though, boy, he was he was trying to get to the line. I
1: respect Jimmy Butler. I think he's obviously <laughs> he's wired to get to in the line. an incredible way. But, yeah, every play it's like he's just trying to get the three-point play. But more often than not, I feel like he gets it. There there was one play Saturday night where uh, Quinn Buckner was like, hey, watch this. He's literally going to try and go for the three-point play here and get it. And he did. And he did, yeah. And and he did. Smartest thing Quinn's ever said. That's
0: what he does. Give Uh, us one more. Halliburton,
1: we should mention, Carlisle said to us earlier, because he's listed as questionable, Rick Carlisle did say that he certainly hopes Tyrese plays. They don't know for
0: sure, but then he added at the end, Mm -hmm. I don't see him missing this game. I, I found that to be interesting. Lastly, here on your morning check down, college football playoff rankings yesterday uh, and then all the hot takes commence after that. Michigan 1, Washington 2, Texas 3, Alabama 4. Florida State left out at 13-0 and there at 5 along with Georgia. So Georgia and Florida State going to be playing a bowl game. I'm not sure who is going to want to be there. We'll find out. But Michael Penix Jr. gets a shot at winning the national title. They were impressive on Friday night. And Texas finally gets back. And little old Alabama there at number 4. I don't know if you saw... I'm sure you did. They have the live, you know, the live look-ins at all the different teams and obviously the Florida State one is very sad when they find out that they're not going to be in. Did you see the Michigan one when they flashed up there that Alabama was the four seed and Michigan yeah. and Alabama were going to play. Uh, it didn't look like Harbaugh's team was too excited to play uh to play Alabama coming up in the next reaction few weeks. Was
1: because Connor Stallions didn't have tickets to the <laughs> Alabama game this year.
0: Oh, we'll play that Eli Drinkwit sound. Uh, I miss Connor Stallions already.
1: Lastly, college basketball tonight. (laughs) Purdue and Iowa from Mackey. Purdue is a 13.5 point favorite. Again, the Boilers lose Friday night uh, at Northwestern. Turnovers, couldn't throw it in the ocean there. Late in that one, Boo Booey was outstanding for Northwestern. He's the new Ron Harper Jr. (laughs) to Purdue and maybe even to Indiana as well. It's typical Iowa. They can score. They can't guard anybody. And
0: Fran McCaffrey will be teed up by the second media timeout. Uh, what DEFCON are we going to get from? You know how they have the DEFCON meter for Fran McCaffrey? Oh, yeah. it not the lower the DEFCON the crazier he is? Now, I think, I think the, that's right, isn't it? I, I believe that is true. I think one of the
1: sons is on the Pacers staff. Um, wh- who would that have been? Okay. Connor, I think. Okay. Connor? I think Connor dates Caitlin Clark, the Iowa girl. Oh, does he? Yeah.
0: Boy, how much is she making in NIL? No, no, pretty good. It's, it's uh, pretty Indiana good back
1: in action, Big Ten-wise, at Michigan, by the way. An early look to tomorrow night for Indiana fans. Subscribe to Peacock
0: as our first
1: of five Peacock games. I saw
0: people complaining about it already. They're not happy. You knew
1: this was coming. By the way, Indiana, very good on Friday night. You read into that, they played better without Xavier Johnson or just (sighs) a bit of an anomaly?
0: Yeah, the problem is, if I say that, Mike Woodson probably would think we don't know anything about basketball if we said, well, you know, maybe they're a little bit better without Xavier Johnson. I don't think it matters, right? Xavier's back when he's healthy. He's going to be the starting player playing, you know, 30 minutes a game, so... I, I don't read into it too much. Maryland's terrible, aren't they? But I, I thought that, that's, that's the best we've
1: seen in Indiana for 40 minutes.
0: There's no doubt about it. They had the second
1: half against Harvard. There's no but doubt again, about you've it. You've been grasping at straws. There. No, there's and no doubt about it. Khalil Ware's consistency. I mean, that was a huge question. You know how you know how ready would he be? You know what's his motor like? Blah blah blah. 18 and 14. Yeah, he's fine. Highly efficient again. Khalil Ware, very important for Indiana. Trey Galloway, step it up without Xavier Johnson. All right, another side. Back into the Colts and
0: Titans combo. We'll do that next you <laughs> Hey, appreciate you joining us here on the Wake Up Call. Great stuff this morning. Fast-moving show. Colts winners now 7-5 and five on the season. Going to dive into some schedule stuff here in just a second. We had that. Kirk Sinetti uh, was fantastic on with us. A new IU football coach. Uh, Dude is saying the right things, he is ultra-confident, so if you miss any of that interview, you can find it one oh seven five 1075thefan.com. Rick Carlisle as well. Reminder, Pacers, Celtics tonight. That pregame coverage right here on The Fan. But beginning At seven o'clock. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned something in segment number one that, that I, you know, this is where we are now as it pertains to the Colts that we are going to be watching not only what they do and don't do, but also the teams around them and yesterday was a good day for the Colts for the most part. You had the Browns losing. You had the Steelers losing. Now the Texans won, but they beat the Broncos, and one of those teams had to lose. And so, you know, we talked about this. And a
1: big injury for Houston, we should mention. Rookie Tank Dell.
0: By the way, On a goal-line block is where he was injured. Just awful. So it wasn't like he was injured running 45 yards down the field or something like that. So, you know, you had to have the Texans or Broncos. One of those teams was going to lose. We talked about this on Friday, and both of us agreed. Have Denver lose, given that you had already beaten the Houston Texans and you get them... Uh, week 18 at the end of the season, and boy, that game could mean a ton. Just a few things here. Number one, you have Pittsburgh, and you have them having to go now to Maserati Mitch Trubisky, and he's he's not good. I mean, I, I know Kenny Pickett isn't great, but Trubisky is a step below. And then yesterday, now I'm sure Browns fans don't feel this way, and they lost, but I, there was something charming about seeing Joe Flacco out there. Someone was saying he looked pretty good. He, he, he didn't look terrible, and the you know the funniest thing was he was on the Jets last year, and he looked he looked better than anyone the Jets have thrown on the field this year, whether it be Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson or whoever they end up going with. And so uh, there was a lot of hilarity, I guess you could say, on Twitter X about that. And then, you know, if I told you that you would sit here on Monday, December 4th, and the Colts would be 7-5, and five, okay, that number one would be crazy, but number two, that they would be one game behind, KB, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I mean, the, right now the Colts, as we sit here on December 4th, would have seven wins and the Chiefs would have eight wins. I mean, you could have taken, I'm a gambler, you could have taken all of my money to yeah. tell me that that would be a stat that I would bring up on this Monday. But all in all, uh, if the Bengals could lose tonight, I am very much a Jacksonville, keep winning, you're going to win the South. But uh, the Colts at 7-5 and five had a lot of things go right yesterday in the rest of the NFL.
1: Yeah, they did, and to add to insult, not only did Kenny Pickett seemingly be out for that game coming up a week from Saturday at Lucas Oil. Did you see a Minka Fitzpatrick broke his hand? They oh, did he? I did not see that. that mm. up. So we'll see if Minka Fitzpatrick, if that's something he could play through, if that would even be a possibility. But, you know, that's the one thing about Pittsburgh that keeps them in it. I mean, they've just got, whether it's T.J. Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick, they got two dudes that, I mean, hell, they've both done it against the Colts. They can just single-handedly totally change a game. But great help. I mean, it, exactly what you wanted needed um, from what Cleveland was unable to do with Flacco, although again, Flacco looked decent against the Rams, and then Pittsburgh just <laughs> losing an awful home game against the Cardinals there. So the Colts will remain, no matter what happens tonight. The Colts will be in that seventh spot again in the AFC. You've got four teams at seven and five, two six and six teams. We'll see what happens with Cincinnati tonight. Um, now, as we mentioned last week, yesterday, Andy, what was important about the win itself, it's a divisional and an and a conference win. So that kind of helps you in some of those tiebreakers. But whether it's Cincinnati coming up on Sunday, again, Pittsburgh a week from Saturday, or, of course, Houston there to end the year, I mean, those just have tiebreakers sitting on a platter. So, I mean, those games are the heavily weighted ones the rest of the way. Uh, But it is still amazing to look at the standings and think 7-5 and if you took the over on the win total. You've already hit it with it's 5 a, weeks to go. It's unbelievable. In the season at 7 and 5 again, that was 6 and 5 at the start of the year. Um and how about this one? It's the longest current win streak in the AFC. At 4 games, the longest win streak since 2018 for the Colts for the franchise. It is the longest current win streak. And yeah, you can look at the record of those teams and Andy, 12 and 36. Those are the opponents' records. But as I said to lead off the show, The beauty of the NFL, there ain't no college football committee picking who looks good and who doesn't, and what would betting odds be for this team, (laughs) and what brands matter. What
0: does Boo Corrigan think of the way the Indianapolis Colts have won? There's a Boo Booey, (laughs) but there ain't no Boo Corrigan. Or Bo Booey, as I called him at 7.05.
1: For the NFL, it is how many Ws, how many Ls, and that's who makes the playoffs. And right now, the Colts are in the thick of it. And if you look, if you look at the schedules of Pittsburgh – of Cleveland, of Houston, of Denver, stretch it to Denver and Buffalo, those two teams at six and six. Outside of Houston, Andy, I'm probably taking the Colts schedule, and I don't even know if there's much debate about the others. It, it almost has the feel.
0: Totally agree.
1: Given the quarterbacks you're about to play Jake Browning, Trubisky, Ritter, Aiden O'Connell, and then I guess CJ Stroud. Boy, Atlanta was
0: bad yesterday
1: to end the year. Like if you added the quarterbacks plus the schedule, it almost has a feel like it'd be disappointing if the Colts didn't well, didn't, didn't make the playoffs, which I know, I know sounds outrageous to say. But again, when you look at the schedule, we're moving to that territory.
0: We're moving to that. We're at that territory. And, and again, I would argue.
1: I want to stress credit the Colts for creating that thought, but what, given the fact they're seven to five, they have the strong conference record. Again, the schedule the rest of the way. I, I don't necessarily say that because. I think it's been an eye-popping. They've dominated these basement feeders, but they've won four in a row. That That is no guarantee, even if it looks as easy as it did on, on paper. Just ask Pittsburgh yesterday, losing to Arizona. It, it
0: has that feel to the final five games of the season. Right now, I looked it up, ESPN's updated odds have the Colts at 59% to make the postseason. Now, they move past the Steelers, who are at 56%. Now, this is not standings, this is just whatever percentage formula they use, uh, basically... Seven spots, eight teams is right now how ESPN has it looking. The Bills drop all the way to 22%. So if you look at hopefuls, you have the normal Dolphins, uh, Ravens, Jags, Chiefs, the Texans seventy-one percent chance of making the postseason. The Cleveland Browns sixty-five percent. The Colts fifty-nine, and the Steelers fifty-six percent. Those are the updated odds. The only other two, like I said, they're even mentioned on this page. The Bills at twenty-two, and whatever the hell the Chargers did yesterday at fifteen percent. Did that game end six nothing? What, what, what did that game end by yeah, the way? Was that game uglier than the game in Germany? Uh, that game was on the red zone for forty-five seconds.
1: Honestly, it might be 45-2 <laughs> too, too many. I, I know some Colts fans will, nothing. will look at tonight and think, okay, if Jacksonville loses, they're 8-4. and four. I know. I, I, I think that's a little greedy. Again, they obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker over you. Um, I think you'd rather want them to kind of take care of Cincinnati. I know some could look at it and say, hey, the Colts have their own chance to take care of Cincinnati coming up on Sunday. But I think that is just a hair greedy as we look ahead to Monday Night Football. By the way, Thursday Night Football this week.
0: Oh, what is it? Give it to Sadly, me. Sadly,
1: it is the Patriots. Oh, no. But I, honestly, there is some attention on it. Pa- Patriot Steelers? It's Patriot Steelers. So it is a very banged up Pittsburgh team on a short week. And again, they will then have the 10, well, I guess not a 10-day break, a 9-day break
0: until the Colts and the Steelers meet a week from Saturday. I was stunned it was an ankle injury with Kenny Pickett. I thought it was a concussion When he got absolutely smoked at the goal line.
1: And then they said, not IR, but likely to
0: be in that too. So he's probably going to miss three weeks uh, on that. Did you make anything as well. And by the way, coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll have our Goats of the Week. Did you make anything of, I guess, you know, I think it was Ian Rappaport, uh, that maybe two to three weeks, too optimistic on Jonathan Taylor. He tweeted that out early Sunday morning, maybe closer to the three, four-week injury. I saw that kicking around. I mean, that's basically what we had said, that it's not going to be a two-week injury, right?
1: Well, let's touch on that on the other side. Again, the latest on Jonathan Taylor. We'll do that coming up here next. His impact if it was felt it all yesterday. And we'll continue to unpack Colts and Titans 31-28, four-game win streak for Indy. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call. KB and Andon with Kylan filling in for Mark Dykton here on this Monday morning.
0: Get to some Jonathan Taylor discussion here in just a second. As the mics were popping on, KB, you know what I just saw? And I had no idea. This is the one thing that Facebook is good for. Okay, you ready for this? 8 years ago I proposed to my wife. How well, about look that? At that? <laughs> <laughs> Had no had no idea that was December 4th Congrats of whatever Nikki, eight years ago I was. I was nervous
1: where you were going Yeah, two
0: thousand Yeah, 2015, December 4th. I had no idea, so yeah, I've kind of thank resigned you. To the, fact the only
1: thing Facebook's good for is I occasionally <laughs> look there and I'm like,
0: oh, it's that person's birthday today? Okay, I might no, throw a text it, to him. It, it's that right there. It's not even the birthdays. I don't even care about the birthdays. It's that right there. We
1: did see Sunday morning report from uh, Ian Rappaport, who has kind of been all over the Jonathan Taylor situation, whether you go back to the contract stuff uh, in July and August, but he reported that uh, Taylor uh, likely out more in the three to five week range, I believe was kind of the um, official thought on that. Again, Jim Mersey's first report was, we hope two to three weeks. So if you map out what three to five weeks would look like, Andy, it would take Taylor off the field for this Sunday against Cincinnati. Also, the Pittsburgh game, Mm -hmm. Um, the Falcons game would be three-and-a-half weeks removed from the surgery. If you stretch it to the back end of that three-to-five-week timetable, he'd be out until the season finale. That Texans game is five-and-a-half weeks post-surgery here. And I think yesterday you felt his absence. I I did think Tennessee just controlled the line of scrimmage in the run game very well. I didn't think Zach Moss had a ton there, but still— I just feel like Taylor is a guy that, for a game that had so many struggles in the red zone, the presence of Taylor could have easily been just the those difference. few plays. You know, how about just could, those few plays? Could Gardner have maybe thrown the screen to Zach Moss a little bit earlier on that one? Sure, but again, if that's Taylor, does you know does he have more of the make the miss type of ability in the open field? So um, again it sounds like the Taylor timetable could be a little bit longer than we originally thought. Well,
0: we knew that two weeks was not going to happen, so you immediately went to about three weeks. So you had the Tennessee game, you had the Bengals, and you had the Steelers. Didn't we automatically think he was missing all three of those games? Yeah, I, Isn't I mean, that where you went? That's where my I mind mean, you're went. you hoping he could be back from right. Pittsburgh.
1: You know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, can you brace it up big time, that, that Pittsburgh game. If you're mapping out the rest of the season, again, the Pittsburgh one is the second most important game. The rest of the year. So um, if you look at this new timetable, if that takes him off for that Pittsburgh game, which if it's three to five weeks, that means he would miss that game. And you look at the rest of the season, including yesterday, the most important games the rest of the year, two and three on that list are these next two. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh.
0: I didn't think yesterday Taylor would have had huge numbers, but I think you're right. There would have been those few plays that he would have made that would have made the offense look a little bit different.
1: You're right. Again, that's what this season is right now. No matter the opponent, quality of it or not, it's coming down to these one-play games, time in and time out. All right, we'll continue the Colts and Titans conversation here coming up at 9 o'clock hour. Goats of the week to hand out as well.
0: Yeah, 9 o'clock hour, man. There's something going on. This Colts team, they got it going, man. Four straight wins, 7-5 and on the season. Had a bunch of things go their way, and we've been talking about it here on The Fan. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Appreciate you joining us. Been a busy show today. If you miss any of the Colts conversation, Kirk Signetti, the new IU football coach, Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, all joining us today. Find the podcast at 1075thefan.com. You know, you mentioned something, we'll dive back into kind of how we started the show here uh, in the seven o'clock hour, our analysis of the game and everything else, but you kind of said something about a half an hour ago, Kevin, where you go, you know, the Colts almost to the point, even when you look at how they're playing and the expectations, and when you especially look at the quarterbacks and the upcoming schedule, that now if you don't make the postseason, you're going to be frustrated. And I think that's where I am with this team right now, with it, with what is up coming with some hobble teams in the Bengals. Uh, You look at the Steelers, no doubt. Atlanta, Atlanta was gross yesterday against the New York Jets. I think it was like 13-8. to eight. I need to go see what the score of Gami says about such things. But this team, you've hey, got to get... gross winners. You can hey, call the Colts listen, that, too. Uh, you, you could. Uh, yesterday was wild, though. I mean, yesterday was unpredictable. It was wild. And we talked about it. I mean, to get one punt uh, you know, a block, and then have that be a touchdown, and then get another punt block, and then have one of those, you go for two, and it's an interception that goes back the other way. You don't see a lot of that. And then we haven't seen Alec Pierce have the type of game this season that he had yesterday with taking those deep shots with Gardner Minshew. What a game! One of the more fun games I can remember in a while.
1: Again, it was drunker than a bachelorette party on Broadway. And as I said, open up the show. Uh, the hangovers for the Colts and the Titans here on this Monday morning—they both hurt. The Colts have a hangover that hurts less. They—they they, they got the late night pizza. Uh Tennessee stayed at the bar and took a couple shots there at about 2.30 in the morning. Uh, just a wild, wild game. Obviously, a big talking point, I'm sure, in Nashville right now is the, the punter getting hurt. Ryan Ooh. Stonehouse Ooh. and what happened on that extra point. Poor Nick Stonehouse. Fulk, I mean, they throw up the stat every game, Andy. Nick Fulk, inside of 40 yards, has made 78 straight field goals, and yet he just flat out shanks the extra point. Did Tannehill's presence as the holder you know, have anything to do with it? Uh, that easily could have been the difference in the game, but um, it is crazy to talk about a seven and five football team in the Colts. They've already hit their over under on wins for the season. Uh, they're four and one away from home, you know, or excuse me, five and one five now. And, five
0: and one away yeah. from
1: home, you know. If you're and they have struggled at home, to be fair, you know, two and four. But again, they've made up for that away from home. Um, it's the longest current win streak in the AFC. Like, there's just so many things that you can have on paper. Such a golden opportunity, and the Colts have had that here over the last four weeks. But it is no guarantee that teams take advantage of that opportunity. And to me, Pittsburgh is the perfect example of that yesterday in losing a home game on a cross with Arizona having a cross country flight, seemingly bad weather would play into Pittsburgh's hands with kind of how they're built, and they lose that game. Uh, And yesterday, just so many storylines you can go off of, from the deep balls to Alec Pierce to the two-block punts. Again, I mentioned it earlier, and I think it's worth worth repeating. Shane Steichen, when he dialed up those big plays as well. And then what a 180 from Minshew. I think it's totally fair to say, Andy, that for the 65 minutes of football, the first 65 minutes— Minshew was not good, Mm -mm. and a huge reason
0: why the Colts were on their way to lose that game. We were going to have that conversation yet again about Gardner-Minshew. It's what we were going to do. And then two plays change it. I mean, you know, and I guess probably
1: largely change how, like, and I saw this post-game, I forget, I think it was Boomer Esiason said post-game, like, you know, something to the effect of, like, the best insurance policy in the league is (laughs) Gardner-Minshew. I'm like, nothing says you only watch the final five (laughs) plays of the game like that one. But credit to to Minshew. You know, some backups... They, they they go through the game that Minshew went through and they just continue to wilt. And it continues to go downhill. And mentally, they're just shook. They're drained. They can't recover from that. Minshew did. And when they needed him the most, it's a great on-target throw to Pierce and then the ball to Pittman. Right on target for the game winner,
0: uh, Matt Conti, who on Twitter obviously what the what's his special title with the Colts, the VP PR of Guru. communications, uh, a, a guy by the name of Ficky Rubio on Twitter alerted this to us. Versus Tennessee, the Colts had a 300-yard passer. And two 100-yard receivers, obviously in Pierce and Pittman Jr., for the first time in a game since week 13 of 2014 versus Washington, who were the Redskins then, not the commanders. So, obviously, I, I wanted to kind of uh, quiz you on this, KB. Andrew Luck was the quarterback. That's easy. Can you think of who the two, two wide receivers oh, were? boy. So, wide out lies. I mean, Hilton's got be- to oh, One's a tight oh, end. I'll tell you, one's a tight end.
1: jeez. Oh, I, I would have guess Hilton and, like, Moncrief. If
0: you were, Moncrief's if, one of them. Yeah, he's one of them. So Hilton isn't? No, Will? Fleener. Oh, my gosh. That's what I told you. You what? never would have got that. Well,
1: I think Colts fans right now in their cars are universally <laughs> saying, I hope the careers of Michael Pittman Jr. <laughs> and Alec Pierce go better than Dante well, Moncrief and Kobe yeah, Fleener's well, careers went yeah, the yeah. rest of the way. Yeah, you know, in, in Pierce and Pittman, I thought yesterday, Andy, they respectively played the receiving roles the Colts kind of view for them. You know, again, Pittman is the methodical every series. He's getting a target almost. You know, nine yards here, 11 yards here. How about the catch that Pittman had on the overtime drive? The first one. Oh, sure. Yeah. That ball could have been picked, I feel like. That was a very. 50-50 50-50 ball. Minshew really threaded that one in there. Defender thought he had it for Defender, a second. Defender, I think, it's Jack Gibbons. Their, their linebacker had a great chance at it. and Pittman you know, pulls that away for a huge drive starter. I mean, that's one of those. He gets a second and 10 there. The crowd starts revving it up. Now you feel like you're in strictly pass mode the rest of that drive there. Um, so, obviously huge. And we talked about Pierce. That is playing to his strengths. Again, I think it's fair to say, based off what we've seen early on, you're not going to get... Alec Pierce as as kind of the Michael Pittman type of wideout, of the possession guy underneath. I think at times he can kind of struggle to you know be super, super physical and win kind of early in those routes, whether it's a slant or kind of those sorts of routes. But if you are asking him to be outside, beat a guy off the line, and make a play vertically, he can do that. He did it all throughout his career at Cincinnati. We even saw some of that in his rookie season. But Andy, he just hasn't had the quarterback play to really accentuate that here in the NFL, whether it was Matt Ryan or Nick Foles or whoever last year. And then obviously this year with Richardson exiting so early in the season. And even when Richardson played, we didn't really see the Colts attempt a whole lot of deep balls. But I've always been a believer with Pierce. You take a couple of those shots down the field because great things can happen. There is some risk in it. It's great reward. And oftentimes, some of the reward... Is the other team committing penalties? And how many big penalties did Tennessee have yesterday? Just some huge ones at
0: critical, critical moments. I mean, starting the very beginning of the game. Yeah. yeah like, the, mean, like the ninth snap of the game, they had a big one. I mean, how many big false starts do they have? Catalan they were, kept on mentioning sloppy. how.
1: They're sloppy. I think they were second in the league in most false starts, but... Um, two great balls by by Minshew as well on both the pier. I know he missed Pierce on one of them, but to hit that one there after Tennessee went right down the field and scored in that opening drive, that was a big answer by Indy. Isaiah McKenzie had the nice kick return, and then obviously you hit him over the top there with the play to Pierce, and then of course the play in overtime.
0: Here's Minshew post game on Pierce and taking shots down the field.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it was, um, you know, something we've been looking to do for a while and just whether it's been a bad look or just kind of one thing or another just hadn't been able to do it as much but i was really happy to get ap involved hitting him with a couple deep ones man he's uh he's really been doing a great job and we just hadn't been able to really get him going i think continue to build with him build confidence with him Pitt also had 100 yards. Continues to get better, uh, so I think there's a lot of good. We just got to get a little bit more consistent to be able to, you know, do those things more often.
1: Yeah. You well, know, one thing I found interesting about Pierce throughout the season, and yesterday he actually played more than Pittman, but he has played just as much as uh, as Michael Pittman, if not even
0: more. Than oh, I him. think he's played more snaps. Uh, y-
1: yesterday it was only two snaps more, but I think if you're going to ask the common fan, like who plays more, Pittman or Pierce, you would assume it is Pittman. That obviously is an indication from the coaching staff that. They like what Pierce brings and whether that is as a blocker, because I think Pittman's a very physical blocker, but also I think there's an element, and and Matt Ryan kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday, by the way, I thought uh, he did a nice job in the booth.
0: Um, well, I was going to say that. I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was – actually, I thought he was good. I'm not a huge Tiki Barber guy when it comes right. to broadcast. I thought he's better than Tiki Barber.
1: Yeah, I, I think Ryan definitely has a future in the booth. I think he'll only get more comfortable and maybe even a little bit more critical. But I I, I thought at times when he needed to be critical, he, he was um, as he continues to to do that. But, you know, there is an element of – and we didn't see Tennessee adhere to it in the overtime there, Andy. But I think there is the sort of, okay, when Pierce is in the game – watch out for the for the deep ball. And so whether you cheat a safety over, whether that corner plays a little back, it's almost kind of like the Buddy Heald, and, and I don't know, maybe it's stupid to make that sort of analogy, but when Buddy Heald shows up on the scouting report, it's a do not leave him. Whether it's Derek White tonight guarding mm-hmm. him or whoever, it's right. going to say on that Boston scouting report, don't leave him. Well, with Pierce, I think he is starting, and, and games like this will help, but the rep- reputation, again, is one-trick pony. But if that means a safety's got to cheat over the top, Shane Sykin's such a brilliant play caller, you can play off of that. It empties the box a little bit. It should open some things up there. You know, Pierce is a guy that clearly they like having on the field. I just think it's important to almost force those deep balls to him. A couple of times a game, I think that's a really, really critical part uh, to trying to
0: accentuate like he needs, his strength. Like, he needs to be part of the game, Right. Like, in some sort of way, we need to be coming in here on Monday not wondering kind of what Pierce was doing on the field, right? Well, well, he's a good blocker, which is true, but we're also not watching these games. <laughs> are you Are you breaking down the film to see how the wide receivers block? Like, that's not something we do. Like, how to make him part of the game to where you're taking those deep shots, and if he's not getting those, and he so often does, if he's not getting those, everything is a penalty in the NFL, if you throw it deep, right? I mean, that's right. how I right, feel. Right, right. And again, I, I think it's
1: important to think about the time types of opportunities. You know, Reggie Wayne tweets after the game, receivers just need opportunities. I would tweak that a little bit and say for Pierce, he needs specific ones. We can't look at a box score on a Monday, Andy, and see seven targets for Alec Pierce and accurately judge it just based off that box score. The seven targets, to me, three or four of those need to be vertical. They need to be the deep shots. Uh, Angela Morian uh, here from Wish TV had a great video of the uh, players and the coaches going into the locker room
0: now, is this halftime or is after this after the, the game? Oh, I love the post-game stuff. And okay, Reggie Wayne is in very Reggie Wayne. I mean, he he's fired up. He's feeling himself. <laughs> you damn he right he is.
1: something to the effect of, you know, my guys just need chances. And, again, this is the ex-player in Reggie, I think, coming out a little bit. But what I would argue with Reggie is, again, for Pittman, you can probably just look at the targets, and it can pre- be pretty indicative of how involved he was. Agreed. With Pierce— there's a specific type of target that he needs. And again, it's a high risk, high reward target, but even if that ball falls incomplete, it still is a message sent. That ball falling incomplete is different than Josh Downs, you know, having a little curl and Minshew, you know, misses him, which, you know, he did yesterday and it was almost picked off. So um,
0: that, I think, is something to keep in mind. How much, and we haven't mentioned it, and it's my fault, it's your fault, it's 9 15. How much or how satisfying is this for the Colt fan today, if you're a Colts fan, that you're doing this to the Titans? Uh, I mean, you have seven wins. Two of them are against Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and those are two big wins. AFC wins, AFC South wins, and I kind of feel like... You beat Mike Vrabel a little bit at his own game, well, did you not? Especially
1: in the first meeting. Yeah,
0: and, and you know you, well, you look at it, you bullied them in the first meeting, yeah. which you know Vrabel hates. Right. And then you always think, wow, well, he's, a, he's a Patriot guy, so they're always great at special teams and stuff. I mean, they beat him at special teams. Yeah,
1: well, it was a huge part of yesterday's win. It, it's funny. Obviously, New England is, or I probably should go past tense, has been the rival in this town. I've always been curious who is second. In Jim Mercer's eyes, it would be Tennessee because, you know, they have bullied his football team. You know, they had won five straight. Um, You know, Vrabel was the guy that was interviewed here back in 2018. This was the hated team, and you took care of him twice. I I, I don't know. Maybe just because the losses in Jacksonville have been a little bit more abundant that they would be up there. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, and there are a lot of Colts fans that love going to the Nashville game. You know, it's a very manageable drive. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, certainly there's – a lot of that year in and year out um, the and woo you know, girls national for itself woo! from a uh, from woo! a city standpoint <laughs> um so yeah i do think that is probably part of it as well should we get into our goats from the weekend we should okay the, again
0: let's do it i got mine ready our
1: good and our bad from the weekend that was our goats who is the goat? I
5: told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Short,
0: here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Go! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's the me. Mate. That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT! Hey. This guy sucks <laughs> of the week.
1: Is that Kurt Signetti there at the end saying this guy sucks?
0: <laughs> it might be. If you miss Signetti, he was on with us at eight o'clock. Dude's fantastic. He's uh, he's got the mic game down strong. He'll win some press conferences, win or loss this year. All right, my my positive goat, my good goat. I know this is a sellout. It's two guys, KB. It's Tony Brown and Nick Cross. Uh, I mean, I mean, Nick Cross, and they were so big on special teams. How about Brian Mason, the special teams coordinator? Well, I was scheming that up. I, I was going to go there. I really was, but I didn't want to take your guy. I honestly, <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe you were going to go there, so I pivoted to the players. I mean, Tony Tony Brown being involved in those plays, you know, this was a guy much maligned. Why is he on the field? I mean, we did two weeks of radio around Tony Brown being burned in that what's, uh, Saints game, and so good for him having a big redemption moment. And then Nick Cross on special teams. Nick Cross, what was it, 30-31 snaps? Way more than he's had since, what, early last season, was it? I think you tweeted out. So Nick Cross and Tony Brown, those are my two guys on the positive go to the week.
1: Yeah, the most playing time for Nick Cross easily, 31 to of snaps since week two of his rookie season, which would have been last year. All right, my positive goat from the weekend. Tell me you saw Pat Pat McAfee's college game day pick. (laughs) No, I didn't. Did you miss this? I I don't think I saw this. Help me here. This would scream Andy Sweeney. So, obviously, Georgia Bama is the pick. Uh, honestly, I probably should have sent this clip to uh, to Kylan to play. And McAfee is, you know, being McAfee. Yeah, he's he, doing his thing. he got the crowd into it. Sure. And so he starts this big, you know, Georgia <laughs> chant. He's going back and forth of, you know, all the Georgia fans are responding sure. and repeating everything he sees and how everyone loves an, a, a drunken, obnoxious <laughs> Georgia fan. Go no dogs. No, you know, the whole nine. And then he pauses at the end. I've got Alabama.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he
1: ends yeah. it with that, and these <laughs> Georgia fans are stunned, and lo and behold, what happens? Alabama, Alabama won the game. beats Georgia. So I thought in just true McAfee fashion, uh, and part of this comes from my maybe Georgia venom after being at the Tennessee-Georgia game, I now am like, I think I hate Georgia. Uh, so that added to it. So I'll go with Pat McAfee there on this college game day pick from the weekend. I, I thought about it. I don't like the dude off the field.
0: Tyreek Hill. Oh, okay, okay, no, that's surprising. Is he the I, league MVP? I, I had a buddy text me and goes, well, why aren't we talking about it more? I'm like, I'm fine with it not being a quarterback. I mean, like, it's not going to be Tyreek. It's not going to be um, uh, Pat Mahomes, right? It's, so it's probably Adrian not going to be. Adrian Peterson, right? Yes, yeah, probably it not going to be Jalen Hurts, I would imagine. He's been very good. I think Tua's been good, but I, I, don't, I don't sense that it has to be Tua. Right now, the odds that are out, hang on just a second. Uh, Dak Prescott right now actually leads the way for league MVP. Jalen Hurts, two. I think Brock Purdy, three. I, I don't understand why it's a quarterback only. Like, if you told me Brock Purdy won the NFL MVP, I mean, That's he's been sexy fine. for you? No, nah, I mean, to me, I, why can't it be somebody else other than a quarterback? No, I don't know I why.
1: I, I, I think Tyreek should have a legit case for it. Oh, he especially if he breaks a thousand the record. percent
0: I mean there were you know Brian baldinger uh does like the video the oh, yeah, videos the on Twitter yeah, he does whatever, the baldy you know. breakdowns and everything else I mean he had a couple where I mean he's just running by guys is Tyree kill on the on the poor Washington commanders who by the way three straight games Sam Howell's throwing a pick six Ooh. my lowercase
1: Ooh. goat from the weekend it is the college football playoff committee um what more could Florida State have done They go undefeated in a power conference. They play two SEC teams. Andy, they beat LSU by more points than any SEC team beat LSU by all year long. And what do they do Saturday night? With their third-string quarterback (laughs) on a neutral field against the 15th-ranked team in the nation, they win by two scores. Well, they
0: dominate the game, yeah. If
1: Alabama does that, the College Football Committee would have had a parade for it. It is because of the brand of Alabama – that they get in. If that is another SEC team named Auburn or named Florida even, they don't get treated with the same sort of, I guess, respect, respect no, if that's, you will. That's Florida the word. State did not sit there and say, yeah, we're going to play nobody in the non-conference. They had their usual SEC game against Florida, and then they play LSU on a neutral field, potentially the Heisman Trophy winner, and won by 21 points. Um, to me, I, 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 I hate getting into the – a brand, or a Vegas line. Because that's the only argument right now that I hear from people on why Alabama should be in. It's like, oh, well, they'd be favored against these sorts of teams. Since when do the Vegas lines matter? If that's the case, then why is Texas 3 and Washington's 2 when Texas is favored In that game coming up here for the semifinals.
0: Yeah, when Texas popped up as number three, Florida State knew they were done because there was no way they were leaving the SEC out. You understand that? I mean, there was no way. So when Texas popped up at number three, it was over. You know, I could have even said committee would have been my big goat of the week just because they've got people talking, they got people loving them, they have so many people. You imagine being a Florida State fan right now? Yeah, I think there's a number of things here. Not to open Pandora's box, but I have a number of things here. Like, they, KB, there's, okay, number one, they they can hide behind, we're not finding the four most deserving teams. We're finding the four best teams. And so that is rhetoric that they can hide behind. The thing that interests me, giving that Ohio State did this with Cardell Jones and company, would have been... If the backup is it Rotomaker or whatever would have played for Florida out State. Florida State's yeah, the third the, the, stringer, the, the, the true, freshman, star backup
1: true freshman, was out due to concussion, so he out, would be back for he, the semifinals. He got
0: lit up, absolutely. So if I'm looking at it, and if Rotomaker would have played for Florida State, the backup, not the third string, if he would have played, and they would have beat Louisville. 30-6, something like that, to where there would have been more game control that they always talk about. It would have looked better. It would have been dominating and everything else. So instead of people leaving the Louisville-Florida State game saying, yuck, this is what we're going to put in the college football playoff. This type of offense is going to go up against, you know, Michigan or somebody like that. If it would have been uh, more pleasing to the eye would it have been different a little bit like when ohio state wouldn't they win that big 10 championship game like 56 to 3 or something over wisconsin it was yeah man. i mean it was it was a ridiculous uh score there and i don't know the answer to any of that i i don't but when texas popped up at number 3 you knew it was done and i guess you know a lot of people feel bad for florida state now the other thing that's interesting about all of this is that florida is is the denigration of the ACC is real. Oh, 1, you saw percent. that through. Yeah, you throw percent. that. Not you saw that throughout the bowls here, and you saw it um, with the way they evaluated at the end. And so you look at the ACC. Okay, so what's interesting? Jim Phillips was one of the leaders in the college football playoff not being expanded this year. I mean, he was. I mean, he was. There's, league commissioner for those. Yeah, league those commissioner for people that don't know. Jim Phillips uh, was very vocal in not expanding the playoff. Okay, so in the end, it eventually hurt his team. And then the thing that's interesting about Florida State as well is Florida State, along with Clemson, but even more so, I would say, Florida State. I mean, Florida State went out and acted like they were going to do and go talk to the Saudis like the live tour. Florida State <laughs> wants out of the conference. Florida State won so badly out of the conference, um, you just wonder, and you have to find it a little bit interesting, how then the ACC had to stick up for Florida State, who's done nothing but crap on the league. I mean, Florida State has done nothing but helped denigrate the league of, we need to leave, this league isn't good enough, and everything else. And then I saw, I mean, it's like, what, six, seven million dollars per school going to be lost. Uh, of revenue of them not making the college football playoffs, so man, there's a there's a lot of politicking. There's a lot. There is a lot to unpack with what happened this weekend.
1: And like, do we forget about Alabama needing a fourth and 31 miracle? Yes, to beat an Auburn team that lost by how
0: much to New Mexico State? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they were do- Auburn's dominated New by State. New Mexico State. They 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 slapped them around. It's like,
1: let's not Alabama act like
0: they're some perfect outfit. And
1: I think it's fair to say a little bit of a down year for the SEC as well. This has not been the juggernaut of the SEC that we are used to. And if you again want to play the SEC card, what did Florida State do? They challenged themselves in playing two SEC teams and beat LSU, one of the better teams in that conference, by twenty-one points.
0: I guess here's my here's my uh, goat with a lowercase, and, and this is just easy. I mean, just everyone involved with Iowa football's offense. <laughs> just, just, just everybody. Their quarterback threw for three point eight per carry. That should have KB, been a three nothing game at they, halftime they,
1: if they would have tackled that punt return. They ran
0: for thirty five yards. God, they ran so for thirty five yards. I am so tired of seeing them. And the thing is, they'll win nine or ten games next season. And they could average 18 points a game. And they'll be back while, well, of course, they're doing away. I was going to say, they'll be back in Lucas Oil, and we'll be doing the exact same thing yet again. Uh, but that one, 10-0 at halftime, 26-0 final. So then, I need to look up how many first downs they even had in the game. It's so
1: painful. I feel like that is the annual. I know Purdue kind of hung in there last year for a bit, but I feel like it's that such a game, bad game. Is
0: the annual Big Ten it's, Championship It's game. a bad
1: game. The East winner. Dominates it's, the it's, West it's such
0: Thank God the West. It's done now, right? Yeah, we go to – we. They break, they break the divisions apart right, right, everywhere. Right, right. Thank God. You're going to have a championship game, right? But Yeah, no but, but you're not going to have to have it come from the West. Ugh. I, yeah. I don't see it on here. How many – oh, first down, seven. That's more than I thought they had. Yeah, do the
1: punter – are they <laughs> – Seven first Are downs, they accounting for that good punter they have? Did he, like, have a couple first downs somehow? Yeah via punt there so those are our Brutal. goats of the weekend pop quiz coming up in a few three one seven two three nine ten seven uh 1070 I should say uh for the pop quiz uh for now let's do a morning checkdown
0: obviously we've been talking about it Colts winners yesterday 31 28 they moved to seven and five on the season five and one on the road
4: post game here's head coach Shane Steichen just the mental toughness. You know what I mean? There's so much back and forth, and there's so much momentum swings in all these games. And just, you know, obviously, if they get a big play, it's like, how do you, you know, bounce back from that? Same thing with us, keeping the momentum. Um, but it was, it's awesome to see our guys fight every single week uh, and just keep finding ways to win. Again,
0: five wins. Uh, on the road, they need to make that 7-1 and one with the Bengals coming up on Sunday.
1: And again, four-game win streak, the longest in the AFC currently right now. And no matter what happens tonight with Bengals and, and Jags, the Monday Night Football game, uh, the Colts will be in that seventh spot again for the AFC and the postseason. <laughs> All right, tonight uh, it'll be the Pacers and the Celtics 730 tip inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. Again, this is the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament. Uh, the Celtics are favored by five in this one. Kylan, if you don't mind, dial up that Rick Carlisle clip from earlier. We had Rick Carlisle on the show earlier and asked him about the availability for one Tyrese Halliburton, who did miss Saturday mm-hmm. night due to illness.
2: I certainly hope so. I we don't know for sure. I think he's listed as questionable. He came down with a you know a non-COVID illness three days ago and uh, it elevated itself pretty quickly. And he was feeling better. You know, the night after the game, uh, Isaiah Jackson went through something similar over the past several days. So we'll hope for the best. You know, I, I don't see him missing this game, but uh, we'll see how Mother Nature feels about it tonight at seven thirty.
1: Good news on that front there, and apologies, I uh, Andy, a few minutes ago I teased the pop quiz. Oh, how dare you do I that? Think I might have been on Broadway Street <laughs> uh, yesterday with those comments. It's Monday. It's a Colts uh, recap, Colts game. We don't do the pop quiz on Mondays. Come on, Kevin.
0: Let everyone else lose on Tuesday, I, Wednesday, and Thursday. Can I, can
1: I go lowercase go to the week? <laughs> Right there for me. Oh, don't be so hard Please on yourself. Please carry us in a positive direction. Yeah, be,
0: be, be nicer to yourself. Come on. So Pacers tonight, our coverage on the fan here beginning at 7 o'clock. We mentioned college football playoff. It will be Michigan and Alabama in the Rose Bowl. We'll have that one. Uh, and that's coming up on Monday, January 1st. Texas and Washington, the two and three seeds at 845. And I think it's a, it, it's a good story, Michael Penix Jr. I don't know if oh, Indiana. Fans yeah fans uh, yeah, feel yeah, that yeah. way. But just with the injuries and injuries and injuries now, following his coach. Heisman? I mean, I guess it's Daniels uh, at LSU, but I don't believe you should vote on the Heisman until, you know, yesterday. I believe you should wait until everyone is done until we have the bowl matchups because the final week of the season means that much. I would say he'll be in New York. I will say he will not win the Heisman Trophy. How does that sound?
1: Irish are going to the Sun Bowl
0: in El Paso. Great. Boy, you have to feel great about that, don't you? The Oregon State and Notre Dame. Who is it? Oregon State? Which
1: I do feel like is kind of like a decent game, right? Yeah, that's actually Oregon a pretty State good kind of game.
0: Good? Yeah. Now, DJ, um, um, how do you say his name? Uyungle. U- Uyungale. Thank God he's not a Colt. Uh, he is <laughs> not there. Is your boy playing? The, the handsome guy, Sam Hartman, is he playing? Do we have any idea? I would hope. I don't think What else does he have to ah, do? Because yeah, I- he's not getting ready to for the for the NFL.
1: Oh, but don't think his NFL pedigree deserves uh, him to opt out. But, yeah, Notre Dame, uh, December 29th. That is the Sun Bowl from El Paso. All right, last one we did have. Quite the Friday night in college basketball. Let's start in order. It was Indiana over Maryland in their Big Ten opener. I thought the best 40-minute performance for Indiana, really I don't think there's any argument for any game this season. They did that with without Xavier Johnson. Uh, Trey Galloway had a man a little bit more of the ball handling, and obviously Gabe cups. Uh, and so they beat a, a bad Maryland team for sure, but still, a much better performance. Tomorrow night, Andy, it'll be Indiana at Michigan, who's at kind of an up-and-down start to the year. And for Indiana fans, brace yourself if you don't have it already. That is the first of five Big Ten games for the Hoosiers on Peacock. That is the streaming service. Well,
0: can I ask you this? How much complaining will there be? Aren't we... At least a little bit conditioned to apps and having to get Ooh, SEC uh, Network and Big Ten Network and Big Ten Network Plus. Like, it's not going to be like it was like five years ago or a decade ago, right? You know how
1: that Indiana <laughs> fan base is. You think all the Southern Indiana folk got Peacock?
0: Oh, man. I have absolutely no idea. No but, chance. I mean, this is what they do. Like, when they wanted the SEC Network, they wanted you to spend the money on that. What did oh they do? Gosh, yeah. They put Kentucky basketball on there and said, hey, you want to watch Kentucky basketball? Go buy it. Well, correct me if I'm wrong,
1: but. Isn't one of the Indiana Purdue games on? Oh, it
0: is. Yeah. Peacock. No, it is. Yeah.
1: Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Is- Absolute no-brainer.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Could be Thank Peacock. You sucks Thank there you. With
1: that one, uh, and then how about Purdue? Speaking of, I guess they did. What was that? About ninety minutes after Kirk. Signetti said that, that they lost. lost to well, That's
0: week. me and Signetti both cursing uh, the Boilermakers you, you on just Friday night. the Northwestern I mean, Wildcats. come on. Let's go. You got to win that game. I mean, God, 35
1: from eating, you still lose? <laughs> How many turnovers were there? I mean, there had to be north of, well north of 10. Uh, a lot of missed threes for the Boilers. They're back in action tonight. It is Iowa here in their home Big Ten opener. They are favored by 13 and a half. It's typical Iowa. Uh, they shoot a million threes, they score a lot, and they can't guard anybody.
0: And Fran McCaffrey is going to be very angry at somebody, at the refs, at his own players, at somebody in the stands, everybody. Just everybody. By the way, quickly, Michigan, did we talk about this last week? That Juwan Howard's coming back, he's going to be on the bench but yeah. Martelli's going to be doing the coaching. So he's the head coach, being paid as the head coach, but is going to be the assistant coach while Martelli's the head coach. I don't and really I, follow that. No, I don't either, but I would imagine that will be the case tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Hopefully I can stay awake for that one. Oof.
1: Yeah, 9 o'clock, Oof. IU Michigan, Butler Buffalo tomorrow. Uh, Thad Mata going to join us. Might have a Butler ticket giveaway as well. All right, on the other side, uh, it is no pop quiz. Apologies again. For that tease, we'll continue the Colts and Titans conversation. Still got to get to our fan tweets from the game. We'll do that here to round things out. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy on 935-1075, the fan.
0: All right, coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll get to our five-word headlines. So uh, find us on Twitter X, the wake-up call. Get your last submissions in there. By the way, guy, Mr. Sir, F. Peacock just <laughs> sent us that note. Well, it, so, uh, eloquent and right to the point. If you want insult to injury, not only
1: is IU on Peacock tomorrow night, I saw it's Stephen Bardo and Jack Collinsworth on the call. Oh, so, no. As if you needed any reason oh. to dial up Don Fisher and Eric Sewer over on WIBC. That is an absolute Man, oh, must. man. I do, in a few minutes, we're going to play that Pat McAfee College Game Day, uh, uh, clip that uh, I I mentioned to Andy and it just an epic uh, pick there by Yeah, McAfee I have not heard this. Over the weekend. Uh, but honestly, fittingly, uh, l- let's go back to, you know, such a key part of the Colts win yesterday, Andy, and that was those back-to-back block punts. Again, officially, the second one goes back goes down as a fumble, actually. And it's funny, to me they will always be two block punts, but the fact that one is a fumble just goes to show you how clean a blocks both of them were. Like, Nick Cross could have picked The first one off of Ryan Stonehouse's foot. Tony Brown did it the second time. Mm -hmm. Injures the punter on that. And you know what? When the Colts hired Brian Mason as their new special teams coordinator. Yeah, you know him. I actually knew the dude because, again, he was Notre Dame special teams coordinator with Marcus Freeman for the past couple years. And Notre Dame last season, Jake can speak to this because Notre Dame did it against Clemson, they were a block punt team. Like, that was a huge part of Notre Dame's success last year you said that
0: seven last seven year? block
1: punts in 12 games that's now, a lot to be fair Andy in college football we do see block punts sure like you know teams just they absolutely crumble they deconstruct you know whatever et cetera. Et cetera. you don't typically see them in the NFL and you certainly don't see them back to back with the ease that the Colts had yesterday I thought a key key part of it was, if you want to kind of nerd out over the block punt, the first one, Andy, when Nick Cross gets the block, that was when Brian Mason, again, new special teams coordinator, actually a Zionsville High School Mm. grad, um, he overloads that left side. And Tennessee is a tight end there, number 81, if you go back and watch that play. He picks outside guy instead of cross on the inside. Cross easily gets the block. I feel like with punt stuff, they usually say block inside then out. Sure enough, what does Brian Mason do on the second block punt? He brings Tony Brown, who's usually blocking one of those gunners. He brings him in to kind of blitz, if you will, off the edge. What does that Titans tight end do, number 81? He blocks inside after making the mistake on the previous punt. Tony Brown untouched. <laughs> Poor guy. <Boom. laughs> you
0: imagine film session rough, for him it's today? It's a rough Sunday. It's a rough Sunday for him. Here's uh, I need. We're going to play this sound. I feel like I needed more from Shane Steichen on the blocked punts post
4: game. Big time, you know, blocks right there. That's obviously that's a huge momentum change right there uh, for us. Um, but a testament to you know Brian Mason and Joe Hastings, our special teams uh, coordinators, you know, getting those things wired up, uh, and obviously getting the blocks there were big. For yeah, as yeah great, they were a
0: big deal, coach. Yeah, as great of a play caller as Shane Steichen
1: is, and how brilliant of a season he's had leading the Colts, he is equally as bad as a coach. Oh man,
0: I mean, it yeah, they were. I mean, if they lose that game, we sit here and say, what the hell happened on the second one where the ball's is what inside the five and you end up kicking a field goal? No red, was red that zone the, issues. Was that the three straight plays to Zach Moss? I believe oh, boy, at or that, that a point,
1: difference. for some reason, I'm picturing the other side of the field. Yeah, three, that might have
0: been the case. I don't know. But,
1: but, just bad red zone play and we're I mean, able to overcome. Give that. me a little
0: bit more, coach. Come oh, on. I know. Those are huge. You never you're never going to get you might not get another punt block until it might be a year from now. You might not get another one on the entire season.
1: Speaking of giving a little bit more, <laughs> Pat McAfee always does that. Again, this was my goat of the weekend. This was Pat McAfee Saturday with his college game day pick. It's what's that coming down the track. It's me the mean machine in the red and black. We <laughs> don't <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what you know what you know what it is oh, that was so good you know what it is he's the wrestler kurt signati signetti is his manager yeah that's what it yeah, is 100%. That, that's what it yeah. is remember the undertaker and paul bear now they weren't the same but you know what i'm saying was it uh jimmy hart was uh, was somewhere well known. Mark Dayton is
1: smiling. <laughs>
0: he's in, is yeah. he
1: in Florida yet? He's in line for you know whatever yeah. Mickey Mouse's fan club right now, and he's smiling. <laughs> he had to get up. He had to
0: get up at three a.m. to get in line to a Magic
1: Mountain or whatever. Uh, if you missed it earlier, we had Kurt Signetti, the IU football coach, on the show at eight a.m. to say he's a confident individual would be selling short the confidence. Uh, Kylan, by the way, is our uh, our I guess our fill in. Producer here for for the week, Kylan. Were you struck by Kurt Signetti's confidence there? <laughs> I was, and a lot of inspirational quotes came from him, which I did, did not expect them. at all. He he has a lot of like, uh, exit the weight room, slap the board right above oh, the door. Of he's like so football locker room quotes.
0: He's so football. I love his. He's like, yeah, my staff's done. I get the phone with you guys. We'll lock one more up. Staff's done. Staff's done. I like the how do you pitch yourself to recruits? Well, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Didn't they offer the number one player in the country? Do we talk about that on air or off yeah. air? I can't remember no, which one yeah. it was.
1: I think we did mention that. I, I, obviously, Kurt Cignetti very, very accomplished. I'm picturing moms across the United States <laughs> when Kurt Cignetti walks in and she's like, you know, pitch, uh, okay, Johnny here. Uh, why should we come to your program? I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Yeah, I'm, I'm a winner. God
0: bless him. That's not an easy job, man. But I believe you, he said if I would have stayed at JMU, they would have built a statue for me. <laughs> Did he say something along those lines? He said that. He's like, yeah, they would have built a statue. You know, listen, I give him credit. I mean, you see this. People are in their jobs, and this is obviously big-time college football, but he knows he's 62 years old. How many opportunities are you going to get? Uh, and the pay's always good. Now, are the details out actually? I have not we've seen anything officially. No, but I mean, because he's going to get paid more than six mil a year. Right. I mean, you I mean, just think is he nice, is. Yeah,
1: I mean, hell, if he gets fired three years into this, like, four years into this, a nice, pretty good gig yeah. right?
0: But, I mean, this is his, Inter- cha- this is his chance, you know? I do think know? there is a
1: genuine, I want to challenge myself at this level. Like, Agreed. I do think that's real because listening to him, I'm thinking to myself, is this real or is this a shtick? <laughs> like, like, what is – I mean, this is wild. And part of it is because, I mean, we're used to Tom Allen snapping his fingers after beating Akron in the – Post game locker room here, so it's like, is this needed? Is it too much? I I I think it is kind of needed, but then again, I'm like, oh boy, wait till the first Big Ten game and you really see what the product is you have on the field, and it's not
0: JMU versus yeah. Elon when uh, when he gets on the mic and he does the produce sucks and everything, and so sucks. there we go. So does Ohio State. Just. <laughs> How does how does Tom Allen? So we did not get a
1: Ryan Day or John no. or Jim Harbaugh tweet about those comments, right? Yeah, Ryan Walters did tweet. Yeah, no about one's gonna, it. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, I, I doubt Ryan. Jim Harbaugh's got
0: other things to worry about. Yeah, Harbaugh has other things to worry about, and so does Ryan Day. Quite <laughs> frankly, starting quarterbacks leaving, he can't beat Michigan. Uh, people want him gone, even though he beats literally everyone else in the Big Ten except for uh, except for Harbaugh and Michigan. But how does Tom Allen? How does Tom Allen experience the Purdue sucks? You know he's seen it. Like, what is what? else Tom Allen and all of his money now experience that? I wonder. I,
1: I feel like there's an element of Tom Allen right now being like, "Wait, she left me for him."
0: <laughs> you know, oh, man. isn't there yeah. a little bit of that? Yeah, they have the same age bracket, ish. You know, yeah, yeah. Leo to produce sucks. Yeah. Oh, I boy. like the produce sucks. Quickly before we take our uh, final break here. Uh, Celtics favored by five. What do you expect at Game Bridge tonight? Again, our coverage at 7 o'clock.
1: I really think the atmosphere is going to be outstanding. I thought Rick Carlisle's comments earlier to us was spot on. Play with the urgency like you're down 10 from the onset. I want to see the Pacers get into competitive late game moments because, again, they haven't felt this sort of atmosphere environment, and they've earned it, to be fair, amidst the 10-8 and up and down start. They've earned this opportunity to have a home game against the best team in the league, be on TNT, all of that. Get me to the final media timeout, Andy, and create back and forth. Get the defense chant, not just being through the speakers and Turner's block. Get everybody And you know what? I don't know if I have time for this. I want the rich people in the front row wearing pacers <laughs> gear.
0: I'm tired of the rich people up front. Now, Kylan Boy, thank she, you. Lit, I she, agree. Li- she, she lit she lit up. She lit up. For how much you pay for tickets to sit oh, there front man. row. Thank you. What do they wear? Like a sweater vest? They're, just, they're acting like they just came from the office. You know what? If you're that <laughs> rich, you have an assistant. Have the assistant pack your Pacers gear
1: in a bag and change before you go over to Gainbridge Fieldhouse.
0: Is Jake going to be there tonight? He could you know maybe take some shirts with him and pass them out to everyone front row there. I'm fired up about that. You are fired up about that. We have to
1: hit one more break. Yeah, we do.
0: All right. All right. We'll do one one final time here. This song reminds me of the analogy, Kevin, that you used earlier. What was it? Someone went home and got the pizza, and someone so stayed it, for two more shots. This this is the song that's playing when you're taking those two more shots. Again, uh, the Colts <laughs> and Titans. It was drunk. It was one of the drunker
1: games, drunker than a bachelorette party on Broadway Street uh, on Sunday. But the Colts went home and they got pizza. That's it. That's the Titans it. stayed at the bar. They stayed. At, was right. It was. Is it Tootsie's? Uh, Acme that's one of them trying to think of the other bars I mean hell there's a million there's the Kid Rock bar if you want to go there
0: little Kid Rock wherever
1: uh, they stayed and they had a couple shots of Jameson so the Colts have a hangover But it's not as bad as Tennessee's hangover right now. That's how I sum up yesterday's game.
0: Oh, yeah. They're not a good team. We'll see again tonight. If you want to root against me, you can. I need the Jaguars to win. That's what I need for my eliminator. They're favored by 10 over the the Bengals and Jake Browning. So we'll dive into that. Kirk Signetti joined us. Rick Carlisle, a tons of Colts conversation as well. You miss any of it, 1075thefan.com. A couple minutes to go. Let's get some uh, five-word headlines here to end things on this Monday. All right, so I'm going to go to this one. Q317, Levis needs extra plop mayo. There you go. I shortened it a little bit for him, but I think everyone understands. Very good there by Q. Uh,
1: Aaron, every win counts the same. Again, this ain't the college football committee here, folks. Spot on there. Uh, This one from Jake had me laughing. Minshew, no, no, yes! (laughs)
0: Well, at least when he throws the ball deep, it's like an arm punt if it gets intercepted, right? Hey, I thought that's ball, how I, I view it. I thought, so. you know, two of the balls appears deep or oh,
1: they good. were great
0: throws. You kidding me? I think Tim sums up a lot of Colts fans here. My heart needs a break. An exercise in overcoming everything.
1: <laughs> Holly uh continues the Nashville reference. Two step and win out of Tennessee.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. I like that, that one. That's very there good. By Holly.
1: Uh, Mark
0: insane in the membrane game. Matt Ryan was finally good. (laughs) I thought Matt Ryan was fine. Agreed. I thought he was fine in the booth.
1: Uh, Last one for me from Noah. Uh, What the F just happened? Uh, You know, Mark kind of sent out a gif of this yesterday (laughs) when teasing Monday's show. Watching that one and trying to decompress from it, I felt like I was watching the movie Hangover and waking up in the suite. And I'm scrambling (laughs) for my glasses. (laughs) You know,
0: <laughs> a little bit, yeah. There's no tiger in the bathroom. Uh, yeah,
1: and I'm just you know waiting to hear that tiger roar and <laughs> desperately looking for a water bottle.
0: How did t- how did your boy Tiger do by the way? Uh, Speaking of in advance, yeah, okay, yeah. but uh, did okay. Like he finished four yeah. rounds of golf, right? Right. Didn't finish last. Two rounds under
1: par. Um. Yeah. Oh, there a you go. A lot of good positives outside of just looking at the box. I mean, hell, he walked four straight rounds of golf. Did he activate his glutes properly? The glutes were Remember activated. that he looked like he's been in the gym. <laughs>
0: How many surgeries has that guy had, man? I mean, honestly, has he had 30 I think, surgeries? I think
1: there's a lot that's
0: been in that body. Well, you know, I think be, you're probably right. I think uh, you're probably thank right. Thank you
1: to Rick Carlisle. Thank you to Kurt Signetti. Both of those will be up on the podcast. Fad Mata tomorrow. Hoping to have yeah. Force Buckner at some point this week as well. It's a great Monday here. Enjoy the quarterfinal in-season tournament. We'll talk to you tomorrow.